2: Hey, Lay leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't
1: let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie You
3: do? Soccer is going to explode and it's gonna be around this kid. We we're the Beatles.
0: Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy dropped
2: Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcast
3: what is up everybody welcome to another episode of immortal minds today is a special day because we've got some awesome guests of course we've got pocket what is up pocket how you doing dude i'm so excited for today yes and we've got sean as well sean you're back how you how you feeling man after that first strike shenanigan. Sure.
4: I passed out last night. I got some good <laughs> sleep finally for the first time in like a week, but that was super exciting. That was probably one of the best weeks of Valorant we've had yet. It has to be the best one, actually. That was amazing.
3: It, it was incredible. And Hazed, thank you for joining us as well. It's, it's amazing to have you back. The last episode with you was fantastic. We're so, we're so like, happy to have you on again.
5: Appreciate it, man. It's good to be here, especially hanging out with a bunch of cool ass dudes, man.
2: Yeah, we got wow. Rivington in the chat saying Hazed best beard. I felt like Riv had a oh. great one, but Hayes, how do you feel about the title of best beard in Valorant? Is it true?
5: That's that's just not true. That's yeah. uh, I have a lot of rivals. Um, I think Cutler in his prime has the best beard I've ever Ooh. seen.
3: Ooh,
2: full on, yeah. man.
5: I could see that. Full and voluptuous, if I might say.
4: <laughs> i'm very envious all of your you beard missed. it's not i'm not even capable it's not possible so
2: and that's how we're starting the show beard talk guys uh dan before we dive into north america i want to give you and sean a shout out you guys seem to be the most love casters of all time congratulations <laughs> on an epic finals i know Haze and the crew made it easy to commentate that um but also we got to give a shout out to all of our winners so first strike has just finished around the world And I thought it was amazing. I wasn't working on this project, so I was able to just wake up, turn on the TV. I had Twitch Valorant set up, and it would just bounce me around from Japan to Korea to Europe, all the way to North America. And the big winners we got to celebrate in EU, it was Heretics over... S-U-M-N-F-C, Summon FC, like an orgless squad made it to the finals. Japan, absolute Jupiter dominated as expected. And Vision Strikers have now improved to 47 matches in a row as they (laughs) took home the big prize in Korea. But today we're talking all about NA and we're going to get started from the, the very beginning
3: today with the TSM crew absolutely yeah it's 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 crazy man it's when we're thinking about first strike and we all dialed into north america because obviously we're on the north american region and everything like that and it's, it's the biggest region arguably that's the most competitive but if you look at like if you zoom out and you see the scope and the scale of this thing it just it's such a great I, it's, it's such a great omen of things to come because obviously the whole plan is that this gets all integrated and, you know covid goes away maybe mm-hmm. someday in the future hopefully and and we get to have these these huge lands and really see what this game is like on a global scale, but for now, I think as you, as you mentioned, you know Summon FC. I think we'll we'll, we'll talk to them a little bit um, as we as we you know go through our general thoughts. But let's let's start there. General thoughts on the the First Strike North America. Um, I think Hayes. I want to start with you going into into this tournament in terms of like prep and everything like that, and, and just how the experience was for you guys. Um, you know what what was what was it like?
5: Uh, I mean, I guess if we're going back to uh before the qualifiers even started prepping for that was um pretty intense because we weren't really sold on the comp we were running at the time and uh that's when we kind of leaned towards trying the triple duelist and and going down that road so yeah it was it was definitely a scary time uh scrims weren't going well but we stuck through and persevered and, and uh made it work you know we we really thought long and hard about the strategies we were trying and uh just trying to improve them instead of trying to change comps constantly because i think that's something teams are doing right now that isn't good Mm -hmm. um creates a lot of inconsistency in your play you need to find like fix the weakness in your game don't try and like band-aid it you know what i mean so um, what was the comp
2: you were running before you made that transition to triple duelist um we
5: were running uh i think just more of a standard comp it was uh cypher and killjoy uh a sentinel sometimes we're running two um in practice we were trying that out um but it it was more of a traditional comp that you're seeing teams play uh, where it's like one or two duelists a sentinel and then the rest are kind of filler um usually like an initiator or an info gather but uh yeah I, i think going into the first strike after or before the first qualifier, that's what we were doing. But then after we got knocked down of the first qualifier, we started looking at other regions and seeing like what they were doing, what, what was successful over there. And uh, yeah, we, we were just trying to brainstorm, and keep our options open.
4: When it came to like your practice, because we only got to see a very limited number of games, what were like icebox scrims like? Like, what, what is that environment like in practice?
5: Dude, Icebox is
4: so weird. Um, it's,
5: at, I think that's the map that we're struggling the hardest on. And I think a lot of teams are struggling with trying to figure out what comp is like good on that map. We, like, I can't figure it out. Well, going into it, I thought initially smoke characters were useless. I, I was like, okay, there's no reason to run a smoke. We should just run four duelists and like a Sova. That would have been not really a lot. I'm dead serious, I really thought that, and then we scrimmed it, and uh, yeah, I changed my mind. I think <laughs> yeah, we need I, to changed it. I changed my mind pretty quick. Um, <laughs> it, it's a, it's just a weird map to play. Uh, you know, characters with elevation changes are really powerful. So, like Omen, Jet, Rays are all really good characters on that map, and you could even consider playing all of them, but um. Yeah, it's it's different than playing CS, you know, like most of us here are CS players. So we're not used to that elevation change, especially happening like very rapidly. Mm-hmm. So that map is weird for us, uh, you know, at least for me it was, because I'm used to aiming like head level, you know, on the ground, pre-aiming things very carefully. But you just got to like flick up and down left, right? It's crazy, man.
4: Icebox is crazy. <laughs> it's a wild world out there. I agree, man. Oh, man it's It's hard hard. we can't play that map it's a zoomer map
3: (laughs) it was pretty interesting like uh, watching people well we only got it twice i think yeah yeah we started the tournament yeah immortals (laughs) played it yeah you're right (laughs) Immortals played it and and they went b on their attack like every single round i was thinking to myself either they didn't really prep this map very much or they just really really like going b and they actually find that, that you can, it's just so there's so much variance Dude. that it's just you can just coin flip enough times to get enough rounds maybe so was, yeah
2: it was, Dude, it was A and they literally went 12 yeah. times. It's yeah. like, it, all yeah. good. The, the indoor one, um, for those who yeah. don't play I, a ton of Icebox. But they did it 12 times in a row, and I was keeping track. I was like, do they know something I don't? Because they finished that half 5-7. I was like, this, <laughs> It seems Dude. to be very successful, what's guys. Funny
4: is, what's funny is I saw a tweet. I don't remember who it was from. Even from like Casey Stoney, their in-game leader. He's like, yeah, we did play it. We played scrims on it all the time. We just send it A every round, and it worked so well. <laughs> So, like, they would just play scrims and go A every single uh, round, dude. Then they did it in the match, and they just got owned. <laughs> That's hilarious, actually. Dude, that is not how you practice, man. <laughs> Come on. I, no, dude. When I read that, I was just like, wait, what?
2: That's Give so Immortals credit. I was surprised they even made it to the First Strike Finals. Uh, you know, relatively oh, new no team. Way. Clearly have a lot of things to clean up still, but... um. Dude, I, was, I was a little shocked to see them come out and say, we're picking Icebox as our map. We got to play. <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Dude, it
4: seems like an underdog type of thing to do coming into this tournament. I agree with what you said. Wait, who said that? Was it someone? Was it like Hiko? Yeah, I think it was Hiko that said that Sentinels picked Icebox, which seems like an underdog play. I agree. And I think Immortals has such incredible aimers that they should have just like played the default maps and tried to win there i was shocked when they picked icebox actually that was weird yeah i'm not a fan
5: of that pick i actually i was planning on sorry i was planning on watching that match and it was like four rounds in or three rounds in and i was like i'll be right back i came back and the map was over and i was like (laughs) how did it how did this end in 10 minutes and they were like yeah they just ran it down to everyone i'm like okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, i didn't miss anything never mind
2: Yep, it's like, let's just flash a few times and try and outgun them. Um, I, I was very impressed, actually, with the way that Envy played on that map, though. If anyone wants to see their attack, I think you can learn a few things about your own game or what you could improve, or just watch FNS's screen. seemed like he knew what he was doing on that map. Hayes, do we expect to see more Icebox in upcoming tournaments, or is that always going to be just left as map five? If we have to play it, we'll we'll decide this best of five match on it.
5: Oh, no, I mean... I think every everyone's starting to get comfortable playing it. Um, you know, we like I said, we've been scrimming it. We're we're not bad on it. It's just more like eh, we're not like a hundred percent certain we're happy with the compa running. But I mean, we didn't have a lot of time to prep for Icebox. To be fair, um, it was only about a week uh, in between the, the the second qualifier and the first strike, and um, we had four days of scrims cancel, I think. So we really didn't get to play Icebox, but maybe two or three times. So we just weren't really comfortable with it. But moving forward, yeah, I I think we're going to see people play Icebox for sure.
4: Dude, you said you had scrims canceled. Uh, I think I asked you this last time you were on the show, but going into First Strike, were the teams in that playoff bracket playing against each other? Like, were you playing against, you know, Sentinels? Were you playing against 100 Thieves in practice?
5: Well, um, we did. So the only teams we really scrimmed were teams that weren't in the qualifier. We had initially had scrims set up against people on the other side of the bracket, okay. um, uh, Sentinels, to be uh, exact. But you know the the unfortunate event of Shazam's father passing away. Um, you know he, they had to cancel a lot of scrims, so that makes sense. You know we're we're not going to be upset with them over something like that. So. Yeah, it was just, it was unfortunate, you know, but it is what it is. We, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to make excuses, so.
1: 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be the most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. It's their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Online. That's blue Wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook
3: experts. No, I just want to make another uh, quick point about iSports, but first, thank you, Simon, for the gifted subs, man. We see, yeah. you. We see you. Thank you, you very lighten much. Lighten
2: it up. We had Taimu dropping subs in here. We've got, like, every person that was working <laughs> on the talent side for North America. I saw Veli Vansillis in the building. Uh, somebody wake Jordan Fisher up. Tell him we're live right now. But other than that, <laughs> I feel like we've got the whole crew with us today.
3: Yeah, the valorant fam is is out it's uh it's, it's something as a point i was actually making earlier. it feels like we have such a, like a tight familial vibe in valorant right now and it's, it's it's such an awesome feeling and uh i don't know it's it's also it wholesome we've got such a wholesome scene right now but i wanted to make a point about icebox because we saw the, the all these hits just just playing the the coin flips and just like contacting one side or the other and when when i saw you know envy playing it and to some lesser extent i guess as well 100 thieves. We saw a mid-round or two, you know, and then I was like, okay, well, this is actually kind of interesting but because there's such long rotation times on the map. It kind of feels like mid-rounding should be pretty good. Um, and and I felt like Envy were kind of doing that. But they were the only team that were really all that focused on it, whereas 100 Thieves, they, they were still pretty heavy on the contacts to kind of put the fear in you. And it seemed like the focus was actually on on then slow playing it and then just having Steel lurking and just seeing what Steel could actually come or get from, from that sort of mid-round lull. But it would still end up being some kind of a hit unless he gets something off the lurk. So right. it seems really basic right now. Um, it, it, do we do we feel like this could be a, a like? Do we feel like the game plans could turn into some heavy mid rounds, or is it? Do you feel like most teams are going to stick to this contact style?
5: Hmm. I don't know. It. I, I think both styles can work. It just depends on the comp you're running. But I think you could do a mid-round type of, of uh, strategy where, you know, you run maybe like Sova and um, Sky, for example, just get a ton of information. And that way you can kind of base your, your mid-round off of that. Um, I, you know, we scrimmed actually on Icebox, one of our few scrims um, leading up to the tournament uh, against 100 Thieves, actually. We played okay. them on Icebox. And they, the way they approached the map was so different than everyone else that we had played. And I mean, I'm, I'll just say it, they throttled us. It was, it was not close. Uh, but yeah, their icebox was really strong, and the way they did it was very um, methodical. It was like they had mo- two different defaults that they'd run, and steel would always somehow end up in our spawn. He, he would be in our where we buy guns. <laughs> and we're like rotating and getting picked and we're like he's a How man he there it was really frustrating but yeah they uh they they, they figured out icebox really quick and uh we t- we're learning a lot from just that one scrim and i think that's something we're going to try doing is you know like i said we steal from everyone we don't care so something works we're, we're going to take it and try it and uh yeah what they were doing was really strong i think you could do the mid round stuff and twos proved that
2: was Steele still running killjoy in that scrim against you guys? Because I felt like that's all we saw him on throughout the weekend.
5: No, he played Cypher.
2: Okay. And is Omen going to be the greatest character on Icebox? Is it Sky? Like, who do you think is going to oh. dominate that map?
5: Omen's insane. Omen's really, really strong. I would say the strongest character, though. Ooh, that's tough, man. Probably like Viper. I mean, like, you know, it's probably Viper. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right <He's> okay. <laughs> all right man okay moving on
5: <laughs> everyone should
2: start running viper in your matchmaking games tonight
3: i'm kidding he's, he's he's pulling your leg all right well as speaking of strongest characters you know you guys actually ran sky on binds and we didn't see much sky i think we saw sick running sky actually as well i want to say is that didn't Sick run sky we didn't get very very many yeah skies. he did he did yeah. he would send okay. the
4: birds through yeah. mid to like clear it out
3: yeah so on, on defense. What's, what's the deal with sky because did it did you guys feel like it worked for you in bind in kind of the way that you you you, you thought it would because it, it looked a little underwhelming in the in the in the finals on bind. yeah because you.
4: you're giving up a soba pick in place of it that's the only yeah. like it's yeah. not that sky has no value it's just uh, oftentimes people she are picking people. it over Sova. It's so like, how do you feel about that in hindsight?
5: I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Sky personally. Uh, on release, I thought she was insane. I think we all agree, right? Like, did we all we all saw the kit and we we're like, okay, this character is going to be insane. But uh, after playing her and and playing with her on my team, I don't think she's that great. Do I think it's the reason that we lost because we didn't have like Sova instead? I, I don't think so. Um... We can still run pretty much all the same strats that we run normally. It's, it's, you can just interchange the two. What it gives us is more flexibility in how we'd be aggressive. Whereas with Sova, it's more like, uh, I think he's better for an execute based gameplay. And Sky is more like, okay, we're going to go for picks here and then we're going to rotate off and go for picks here. I think that's what Sky's really good at. So if, if we didn't, you know, if we didn't win, I don't think it's because we picked Sky. I think it's because we didn't execute properly.
4: Yeah. What do you think about her ult? I saw no good Sky ults, and I actually yeah. saw, like, buggy ones. Uh, like, I think Cutler popped one inside b site bind, and, like, the little mushroom dudes, like, couldn't even get into hookah. <laughs> like, they couldn't get up there. They were stuck on the Dude. ground.
5: Dude, her ult is so buggy. That's, like, the number one reason no one should play Sky right now. I, I played a pug last night on Ascent, and uh, I was playing with Daps, he popped his ult, and he was uh, outside glass at A, and his ult just went up to the glass and just did this back and forth, 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 and then he broke the glass, <laughs> and it kept doing it. And we're like, what is the point of this ult?
3: Don't worry, I yeah. got it on lock. They can't get up here. Dude, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so funny as well because, I mean, maybe not as funny for you guys, but on on that binds game, it's like, I think there was this round where we we were kind of like setting it up. It's like, okay, you know, they could get TSM, have to like find a way back in. Okay, they've got these two ults. They've got, I think it's like a, maybe like a showstopper and a, and, and the sky ult. And like, okay, they're going to go for it. And you guys are all getting, they're lining up and they short. You pop, you pop the, uh, the sky ult. The paranoia comes through from U-Haul. And then it <laughs> so just comes around the corner, and deletes four of you with, with, uh, right after the sky ult with, with the showstopper. And I'm just like, yep. <laughs> that's, uh, that feels bad, man.
5: Yeah, that was just that. That's like one of those moments where, you, after it happens, you're like, "Guys, why didn't any of us press tab and see that Ray's had ults? Why didn't any of us? Oh, us yeah, that was so up? no. Like we're all so dumb. Yeah, it was. It was definitely like a forehead moment for sure.
2: Yeah, that idea was rough. great, minus the rocket.
4: Yeah, that seemed like a, a yeah. pivotal yeah. moment in that match for sure. Right there, like the ace, because I think you had their money kind of crushed, their economy was like in a really rough spot, and that alt was the only thing that was going to break apart that round for you guys. Yeah, I mean, it was because the
5: next, the very next round after we died to it, we got aced, the, we spawned, and we go, Let's just do it again. Like, they don't have a race, yeah. like, it's gonna work.
0: Yeah,
4: something. we
5: did it again, and we won the round like clean. <laughs> so, like, the strat was fine, we just timing not the greatest
2: dan i saw a question in the chat um over in europe for anyone who's watching the european first strike tournaments you noticed a lot of sage Lowell was crushing on her um we saw it from a number of teams though not just heretics so looking at north america why are we not running any sages after the sentinel tweaks are the sentinels still stronger than sage in your minds uh sean garrison Haze? or would you guys expect to see sage uptick again in the next few months. Sean, I'd like to hear your thoughts first. Dude,
4: I actually (laughs) think Sage is uh, insanely good because on attack, uh, what I find when I watch the game is when you like exec on a site, oftentimes it gets stalled out so long that the rotate comes in. It's like a fucking like four on four in the site you're hitting. And then there's like some lurk somewhere else and some guy holding the other side of the map. It's like a four on four in the site you're hitting. But on certain maps, Sage can slow the rotate. Like, say, Bind, you could drop a slow in the spawn hall, which is something Lowell is doing. So no one can come in the site. So then that gives you, like, a four on two in the site, which is very rare in Valorant. And I don't Mm -hmm. think people know how to play those scenarios fully to its best. And another thing you saw was uh, on Bind, Lowell, a lot of the times, I mean, this was, like, old as fuck, but he would wall off Elbow. And the meta in Europe, as well as like some of the teams in NA, is to put a Sova at Elbow that just shoots a recon behind the smoke at Elbow and gets free kills. But the wall is there, so he can't get those free kills. So it kind of disrupts a lot of the meta that's going around. So I I see a lot of value in her. And then her res is probably one of the most impactful bolts in the game. Right. So like you can swing clutches so easily, in which that's something Lowell was doing time and time again. He wasn't doing it like in the 5v4 res. He would, it would be in like these three on threes that would look like they were going to go to the other team. They would get a pick. It would turn into a three on two. He would res and then it would be a four on two and they would win that round every time. So I think Sage has a lot of value. You just have to structure your gameplay different. Similar to how TSM approached their style throughout this bracket, right? Like you wouldn't have thought a triple duelist comp would work, but they're playing a different brand of valorant compared to all those other teams we saw in north america and both are viable it's just can you put together all the pieces to make it work i agree with almost all your
5: points counter time i I think you are i think you are on track i the one point i did not agree with is the value in her ult but that was because at the time brimstone was being played right Oh I yeah. When almost every team was running <laughs> Brimstone and Sova, and so the problem you run into is, and this is the reason I switched off Sage and I advocate it so strongly. When everyone was saying you're dumb for switching off Sage, uh, is because you have Brim and Sova, and they just ult the res, and it happens more often than people think. Like at a pro level, that right. people just save ult for that,
2: bait it so, out.
5: Yeah. yeah. So that's why I switched off it but now that brim is no longer in the meta, I agree that sage is definitely a character that you should be playing not on every map but I think in particular split she's incredibly strong and I actually advocated for it leading up to this tournament I told my team I said, hey I think we should run sage I'm just saying mm-hmm. and we're we committed to our comp which I'm okay with but you know I still think sage is strong on that map um I don't think she's good on every map I think she's actually kind of bad on haven um uh as someone who used to play sage on haven i just don't think she's that good there's too many different like hallways and stuff her slow is not valuable on that map in my opinion there's too many things you need to slow whereas i think on split it's very uh straightforward where you're going to throw your slows and plus you want to stop them from getting because a lot of teams the way they do execute especially on split is they they get up close to like mail room, especially when they're going B and then they throw like a flash and then they just rush it. And then they're trying to get the site as fast as possible and beat the rotates. But Sage just breaks that completely. So I think that's the hard counter to the current split meta. Um, as for other maps, I'm sure you can find counters like on bind teams are like, Oh, I can't even tell you how many teams are just rushing up short a right. And sage, one Sage though breaks their whole strat. And then a lot of these teams don't know how to mid round because all they practice is rushing. So you just win the round automatically. So I think yeah. Sage is really powerful.
4: It's the same thing as like Sentinels was using Brimstone for a long time on Bind. And the reason why it worked was because Zons would just like sit on that Molly till the exec and he would Molly off like bathrooms or short A and basically like segment off the hit, right? Like you couldn't go through that side of A. So the hit would become very disjointed. People would come out showers without people in short A, or people would come out short A without people coming out of showers. And the same thing can happen with Sage, right? Like you slow short A, those guys aren't going to run through that slow into the site. So it completely fucks up the timing of the hit. And uh, I honestly think that's, Lowell being so good on Sage probably won them that event.
2: Right. I was thinking about it. Like, is Sick gonna go back to Sage after watching Lowell? Because what I loved about Lowell is you mentioned Hayes that you're always pre-aiming at head height, right? Well, the sage kind of breaks that because Lowell was always on his wall or jumping off of his wall or yeah. hiding behind his wall. It's just like it seemed like the man was just playing mind games with his opponents, especially in showers. Um, so I, I wonder like How long does it take for your reflexes to come back to the beta where you're just always expecting the sage to be up top somewhere or always to be peeking around a corner? Um, Or is this something that is going to continue to cause problems? I hope we see it a little bit more often, but um, I'm glad that Europe was putting it to use. I didn't see it a ton in Korea and I didn't see it a ton in Japan. Uh, A lot of people seeming to go with the duelist route and just playing very aggro.
5: But that's what's so beautiful about this game is that every region is developing their own meta. And that makes I think that is what makes this game so interesting. Everyone, you know, Vengeance Strikers plays such a unique way, and I love it. We're playing our own style. You've got their own style. I dude, this game's so sick strategically, man.
3: Yeah, and it's it's so interesting too because like with the way that it's going to be so many agents at, at a certain point, just this game of like opportunity cost is going to get so exciting, and just having to like there's going to be a time when when someone pulls out like maybe a really old meta to like there some, some something that's quite fresh that's maybe like a year old or something it's be really interesting because then you can think back to you know it's just there's just so much in terms of storylines and developing the storylines that i think is super fun with this game because of that and with, with sage 2 what was really interesting as, as well is that there was this element of all of her stuff was so good uh, uh, to begin with that people didn't really look for other answers with sage and then when sage kept getting nerfed a lot of people stopped using sage just because of the automatic response of gets nerfed i will stop playing sage but and, and we did i don't think we saw a sage play develop fully as well because it, it was just i think as that nerf hit where the um the slow orb radius was reduced and i think like the the you know you're, you're less slow in it and all of that that nerf in particular that was the point when people started to get really creative with setups, like across map setups with the slow orbs. And I think there's like a lot of interesting stuff there that wasn't, wasn't really experimented with. And on top of that, Sages, I, you know, we see how important the early battles are, like mm-hmm. whether it's for hooker control or showers control and bind or like, you know, whatever it is, you know, there's early uh, points of map control. Set like the slow orbit itself is extremely powerful for stuff like that. And so, and, and there's so many different setups you can do. So, yeah, I, I just love the fact that Sage got nerfed so many times and people complaining a lot, but you get someone like Lowell that, that has this, this instinct. He's like, I think this can still work, and then goes and proves it. That's just so sick that we have something like that, that there's so many edges you can find in this game um, that p- other people might overlook. So yeah, super stoked to see what the future brings with all of that. Um, do, we, do we expect any other changes in, in terms of maybe NA copying anything from other regions um, after this, this first strike finals?
5: I mean, everyone should. Everyone in NA should be looking at other regions to find stuff that they think's good. I mean, if they weren't doing that already, I don't, I don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> like, what? Are they even trying? Like, the, the whole... I, I will say that the reason I think Sage is, is being played, though, is because she did get nerfed really, really hard, and she was bad. But then they, they changed her wall to be, like, pretty decent again. So I think that helped big time yeah everyone should be looking at other regions for sure like i I, you have to study you have to there's no way you can think that like you know everything you know you don't know every strategy someone's definitely figured something out the way vision strikers dude i couldn't tell you how many (laughs) we stole from Vision strikers we'd watch them and the way they used breach to layer the like (laughs) the start of round executes on ct side were insane we're Mm. like holy Crap, these guys are fucking smart.
3: Dude, they and could so literally have started. like
4: irons playing and they would get like three And yeah. They don't even need to be good Dude. at the game. <laughs> They're fucking so sick. I it agree completely. I was,
2: I was just, just looking at their that. yeah. I was looking at their stats and I think Breach is their most played agent. Uh for visual. Yeah, right yeah. So if you guys want to step up your breach games, go check out what was going down in Korea. what do we say? 47 matches in a row? Are they the best team on the planet, or do you feel they're just not challenged yet, Mr. Hayes? Because we haven't had the opportunity to see international competition. We probably won't until the end of next year. Look, they're good. Okay.
5: I've started <laughs> enough drama in the scene. I don't need to start anymore. Okay. Someone else take the mantle. Like, help me out. I'm like i'm like the hype man now like what is
2: this dude good guy hazed i like this sean garris can you answer this controversial question are vision strikers the best are hundred thieves the best are heretics the best team on the planet
4: i don't know man the year is 2021 vision strikers is 163 and zero in the region <laughs> tsm coming over for the champion series they take him out 3-2 in the fight. <laughs> oh, that would wait. be so epic, dude. Oh, my God. That's these guys, so... these motherfuckers are never going to lose, though, until the, all the regions meet. <laughs> that was true. I'll tell you what, when they do, <laughs> it'll be epic. <laughs> oh I can't God. wait to see the regions play each other. I can't oh. wait
3: can you imagine that this is the thing that's gonna be the hypest moment in valorant after after this like finals i feel like vision strikers versus top of europe or na that's how can you beat that who is not going to want to watch that i feel like that's gonna pull in everyone from every scene in esports so it's like because it's just it's such an easy storyline the unbeaten koreans it's like it's kind of like this old school thing you know like in the old days where we didn't really have many international lands you'd have like you know, the, the Russian scene, let's say, that would have, like, a super sick, like, TAC FPS scene with loads of really good players and teams, but no one would know, it, like, half of the names of these players, which right. is completely hidden. It's, like, behind the Iron Curtain, and then you get, you know, they come across, and, you know, you finally get that clash between the American, like, puggier style, more aggressive, better mechanically versus the more tactical you know in a russian team or something like that it's kind of like we're returning to like the old days with that stuff that was like why the, the international lands were super hype back in the in the in the early 2000s
4: i'm so jealous that they got to play at land by the way
3: yes oh yeah, yeah oh, dude that
5: would have been so much fun that
4: would have been sick to watch you guys all at land
5: even if there's no crowd it's still fun yeah it's just good like the energy is so different you know Man, I would love I want to play land so bad, dude. Is
2: it about having your opponents in the same room as you, or do you think doing what a hundred thieves did uh and just getting all five guys in the same room, you would be able to recapture a little bit of that magic case?
5: Uh w- when you're in like a team house, yeah, it's it's not really or like for them they're only at a compound. It's it's definitely not the same. It's just I mean, like I lived in a team house when I was on CLG, so it's just like I don't know, it just becomes normal, I guess, when you're next to your your teammates. But like the energy is is definitely higher. But whenever the other team is in the room with you, that's when it gets real. That's Got when it. like emotions get going, good and bad, and you like you start talking. You know, it's Give dude, a we could
2: smirk after the round. Oh man,
5: <laughs> we we tried, dude. I don't even know if I should say this, but we like we. Trash talked envy like uh like playfully and we used maybe some language that was not uh um uh PC, I suppose. Uh Uh-oh. And uh Riot (laughs) did not like that. Um (laughs) let's just say that we got how you said playfully we (laughs) trash talk envy
2: playfully.
0: We got a
5: slap on the wrist (laughs) for that one
2: look well we, there are somebody's got to do it right somebody's got to set the tone here we're a first person shooter like this is this is what fps titles are all about the master chief crouched for a reason like you you got to have a little bit of bagging in there you got to have a little bit of trash talk off off site pc yeah. talk though that'll get you in trouble with riot you got to watch yourself Hayes.
5: yeah look dude <laughs> that's just like you know they don't know where we come from you know at lands, you hear some crazy stuff that's all i'm saying
2: <laughs> all right, before we move off of just the wider topics, Chat wants to know thoughts on viewership because I saw a lot of haters from other titles coming in and mentioning that the numbers weren't explosive. Um, also, a lot of times, like the Valorant channel itself would only have 250, 450 people, but then you'd have 30,000 watching on a different channel. It, it seemed like you could be watching the stream on uh, all these different content creators' pages or everywhere else. So I, I felt like the aggregate number had to be decent um but what did you guys think ddk and sean gears as casters on this was were you even worried or looking at the the numbers what did you think about riot's like first real global event here with first strike
4: yeah i think, uh, I think for me like i'll let you go first you go sean. oh okay, my
0: I'll god go. what do we do it's gonna what get so awkward do do? Uh... okay i'll go i'll go i'll go, I'll go,
4: I'll go. so <laughs> i i honestly think the way riot has approached esports in this game is the future right so some people will probably be like, "Oh, there's like you know only 100k people on the main channel, but there's uh, you know 120 on Miss Channel or blah blah blah." You know, I think that's the future, right? Having these viewer parties where people can experience not only the main cast but someone that's kind of pseudo rooting for their team and gives a different flavor to the cast, right? It's kind of like watch having a Super Bowl party in someone else's house. It's a lot better to do that than have you know just sit in your own room and watch it all by yourself right it's mm-hmm. an experience with someone else and i really really like that approach to the esports scene and i'm perfectly cool with you know the main channel having less viewers the sponsors still get the same shout outs they normally would get it's sure. just it's coming from different aggregations of channels it's it's very weird and i think it's a new approach to esports and i really really like it
3: yeah, I think I can echo the the same sentiments. It only seems to be going really well. I think everyone's loving it. I think it's adding a lot. And I, I I never look at numbers when I'm when I'm like working events. I don't know about you guys, but like when I'm commentating and stuff, like I feel like it's just a distraction. Like whether it's good or bad, it's like really doesn't impact the kind of performance that I want to put out there for the game. Yeah. So so I usually end up not looking at it. Um, but but it was really good afterwards to see that. I feel like the numbers are pretty, like, actually pretty awesome, generally speaking. I think it's a great start, given the fact that if we consider it what we're working with, I think it's, it was a really great start. And I think what's really cool as well is that if you look at that number in, in contrast to the, the other numbers that we've had for some of the North American events in particular and, and the mm-hmm. events around the world. And I think this, it's a lot of growth, which means that we are getting a lot of extra eyeballs. And because the event, I think, itself was pretty fantastic, I think Riot did a really good job with the production. Everything ran really smooth. I think now everyone is, is going to be thinking that this could, this could be a game that they'd want to consume more of in terms of the esports scene. So I'm, I'm hoping that it was, it was a good introduction to a lot of those new, the, uh, new, uh, the new people, if I can get the words out. Yeah, and to
4: add on to that, like people had a lot of complaints because it wasn't just free reign for anyone to co-stream this event. But Riot sold, this is a very different event than the ones that led up to it, right? This is a, an event run by Riot where they sold, sold sponsorships and those sponsorships have deliverables. So I'm sure you know people like Myth and Ninja and whoever else they greenlit to co-stream this event, they mm-hmm. probably had to meet certain deliverables and show certain sponsors on stream, as well as submit their analytics from all their socials after it's over, right? It's not as easy as just, oh, I'm just gonna turn on my stream today right. and watch the match for those guys. They have to do all kind of shit, right? And if Riot let anyone do it, they wouldn't be able to collect all those analytics and sell those sponsors for future events. So this is kind of a unique scenario where, I'd, I don't know, because they kind of caught some flack about not allowing co-streaming and I could Just see why, but People are I also, salty
2: and couldn't get in on it, right? They They didn't submit right away or they weren't doing it for several months now and so others got priority. I feel like Riot's going to be selective, but as long as you prove that you're a true Valorant fan and you're supporting the scene in a healthy way, that Riot will probably open the doors to more next year. I hope that's the case. I hope they don't shut this down, because like you said, Sean, this could be the future of esports broadcasting is not just the main channel, all of these side channels with the communities chiming in. Um, speaking of the different regions though, I wanted to give a shout out. A lot of people were talking production. I felt all of the productions were pretty solid across the board, but Europe being in the studio had a huge advantage for me and, and seeing Lothar break things down on the big touchscreen. He did an Ooh, awesome job as an so analyst smart. and it's like, I can't wait for that moment when we're back in person oh, yeah. in studios, we can have the analyst more than just a little webcam box and they can walk you through <laughs> the plays. Um, and, and walking through you in the live replays. And I think Riot showing us here to close out 2020 of what they kind of envisioned for the production moving forward, that had me excited as a, as a behind-the-scenes nerd.
3: Yeah. I, yeah, I just I want to quickly just shout out everyone in the chat, um, and then I'll add to that point. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This is the most viewership we've ever had, so I'll see we can get, like, get it to 1,000. I yeah, like we're pretty go. close. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to add to your point, I think it's, it's really interesting, this game, in terms of, like like what you have to work with as an analyst it's gonna be awesome the kinds of segments you can create and and the ways that you can kind of build anticipation for a game or break stuff down this is one of the things i say to people with the commentary in this game is that everything's so much more like pointed if if there's only one omen there's only one sova. if if a server chooses to use one of his two recon dots that he's going to get in that round you know that's important so it's like there's a greater sense of urgency and importance on every play i feel like but in cs um although cs has amazing moments and you can't take anything away from cs as an esport it's just it's just different i really like how in, in contrast because in, in you know in cs there's a team will default and that's like not, not the team necessarily knows 100% what's going to be happening and use the broadcaster so trying to tell the story of the round and, and allowing people to kind of follow along with you. There are some really advanced stuff that's, that's happening there that's quite naked to the eye and quite hard to really explain in a broadcast. So it kind of so you kind of just have to go with more general things. But I feel like it's much easier to follow play by play in, in Valorant just because of the abilities. And so um, that's something that I think is gonna make it super awesome when we get the tech in the studio to really break stuff down. It's gonna yeah. be sick. It's gonna be so sick because yeah,
4: like Dan said, I mean, we notice a lot of things when we're casting, but you can only say so much <laughs> oh, without falling massively yeah. behind because things are happening so quick in succession that if I were to sit there harping about a really sick play with like eight different abilities, I would I lo- I would, I would overstep my place in the cast and not allow Dan to, you know, do play-by-play through like the most insane 1v2 you've ever seen, right? So... That's where those telestrator segments like Lothar was doing. Oh, my God. They're going to be so sick in this game. I love their AR, by the way. Of oh, How yeah. they had uh, all the agents and stuff. That was so cool.
5: It's hard enough playing against all these abilities when they're hitting you all at once. I, dude, I can't imagine trying to commentate that. I just be like, <laughs> it's stuff's happening. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, just, it's just
4: a yeah. watch. Dude, sometimes when Dan's commenting, I'm just like, I have no fucking idea what's going on. I have no (laughs) idea what's going on. Thank God Dan's here. Thank God. There was one round in the last map, I was kind of mentally out of it that last map, I'm not gonna lie, but there was one round where I confused the teams. I I like literally said uh, Wardell was opping B and it was dicey and I thought fucking Sabrosa was like, or Drone was pushing down mid and it was awesome. And I was like, what am am
3: I doing right now? Dude, it's so hard sometimes and yeah. The the crazy thing about this game is that it's it's actually for me a lot harder to commentate than CS because like you said, there's less time and there's always more things to say at any given moment. So you have to like really pick and choose. And it's very hard to do that sometimes without missing out on on the next round entirely. And there's so many times when you'd say stuff and I'm like, I really want to add something here, but is it and I'm like having this dialogue in my head, is it gonna be worth it? Yeah, you could maybe sound pretty smart, but then like. this next play is going to happen and you're going to like come in halfway through and it's going to sound shit you know like it's 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 really challenging i think casting this game and and doing all of like the narratives the macro narrative that that we're trying to like weave and and you know sean i think one thing you do super well is like the tactical narrative just like really giving that sense of urgency to that one thing that's happening and then giving like the analytical context behind Mm -hmm. it and then on top of that finding the moments of the play by play and and the emotional moments is there's a lot going on it's great. this is a very challenging game to cast which makes it super fun as well like i'm i'm really like as a commentator very excited about this game because there's so many casting challenges so so yeah, I kind of went off on my own little thing there. But yeah, this, this game has a great future for sure in terms of the broadcast yeah. potential. I don't know, Puckett, is there something that you've seen about this game that's different that you think is, that you're like particularly excited about that we didn't already mention, given that we did
0: actually mention most things already? But... <laughs> oh. Oh, you're muted. He's muted. Yeah, mute it. Puckett, no! no! No, we lost him.
3: Yes, Okay. I think I was
2: going over VMAX, but you guys couldn't hear me in Discord. My bad. Um, So I I think, like you said, the abilities just having one, two, or in Breach's case, three, um, those being so important every round is awesome. But the storylines are what excites me the most. We are all starting fresh. Everyone's coming in from different backgrounds, different games, uh, and rivalries, I feel like, are just starting. And Haze, I wanted to ask you about your rivalry now, because I was a little upset. I didn't get my TSM Sentinels to close out the year. Right, That's kind of what I was hoping for before the event kicked off. After watching a few of the matches, I didn't care who was going to be in that grand finals as long as you guys gave us a great show. And you did that with back-to-back overtimes. Is 100 Thieves now the new rival in North America? Is it still Sentinels for you? Like, Who are you most fired up to play against on TSM?
5: Uh, For me personally, I can only speak for myself, Uh, it's Sentinels for sure. I think they're still... I mean... God, man! Whatever I say is just people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get flamed for this. But like, <laughs> I realize Hundred Thieves won, but I still don't think they're better than us or Sentinels. I really don't think so. I think they're an amazing team, but I just don't think they're better. You know, like two flukes. That's kind of crazy, no? That's actually crazy. <laughs> All these flukes, man. So many flukes. <laughs> no, but seriously, seriously, guys. I, I do, I do. Consider sentinels to be our rival still. Um Hunter Thieves have has definitely uh shook up the scene. I thought Envy was gonna be the ones who did it, and I still think Envy people are sleeping on them just because of what happened in the semis, do not sleep on them. What our happened team, in the
4: semis? By yeah, way, di- them. I didn't. What see it. It them? was
5: pretty quick. Um yeah, so it, it was just when we scrim them, and even
0: you know, okay. and we, we okay. played them a
5: lot. I know where this is going. <laughs> No, don't, don't, Sean. Do not, do not do this. Okay, I'm not saying they're scrimmers. Do not. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Okay, listen. The, when we play them, usually we're the ones that's getting out rotated. Like they're always two steps ahead of us. But when we played them in the match, for whatever reason, they made a lot of mistakes, rotation mistakes in particular. And it's we. I'm not gonna lie. Our comms were like exceptionally well that day. Uh, Cutler called everything perfectly. Like everything was just going, everything was falling into place. So it was definitely hard for them. But I think they were off their game and they were biting on information that they don't normally bite on. And I don't know why that is. You know, that's something they're going to have to figure out. But that was not the team we're used to playing. The team we we know that they are, that team is crazy good. Because in I, I mean, I'm going to be honest, in scrims, I thought 100 Thieves was. Fun far worse than envy it, i mean in scrims 100 thieves is a team we regularly beat so we were like we we're very comfortable playing against them but we weren't comfortable playing against 100 thieves ended up playing opposite in the tournament i mean to be fair we were still pretty comfortable against 100 thieves we should have three would them but it envy is a team that on that day i feel like they just weren't firing on all cylinders and for whatever reason you know it needs to be addressed moving forward, but yeah, I, I think they're an insane team. But Sindels you, is still,
2: for me, the 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 rival. Do you think you boomed them with all of your trash talk that Riot scolded you for? No, dude, no.
5: Because <laughs> here's the thing: they wanted to say something back, I'm sure, but it got nipped in the bud so fast that they were like, "Oh, <laughs> okay, never mind."
0: <laughs> One haymaker
3: fight,
2: got it. Yikes.
3: <laughs> All right. With, with that said, I'm mindful of the time because we do have, we, we actually want to get through the, the tournament and sort of go over some of the games and get to the finals and start really digesting what happened in the finals. Um, but let's, let's start off with that, that quarterfinals discussion and we can, we can kick things off with uh, TSM and Renegades and we'll, we'll pull up some, some stats on the screen for that one. Um, TSM and Renegades, um, Hayes, you know, we, I think, uh, where, where did I hear you talk about this matchup? I think I heard you. No, it was Taylor. Sorry, confusing with Taylor. We had Taylor on the show, and he was talking the about this coach, matchup. And it, it was, it was a you know he was saying like you know Renegades can be a, you know a little bit sketchy to play against, but you know if you're if you're prepared, you should be fine. And that's exactly what happened here. Do you want to kind of talk us through sort of this this game? It was, uh, <laughs> as you can see, a pretty decisive start.
5: Yeah, um, as a team, we're incredibly comfortable against. We beat them twice leading up to the main event. In uh, I think in the qualifiers, we beat them twice in 2 bo B03s. Both times we went three maps, but the only map they beat us on was Split both times, and then the other maps weren't very close. Got it. So we knew going into this, whenever it was, we saw the maps and Split wasn't one of the first two, I think everyone on the team knew it was going to be 2-0. Um, it's a team we're very, very comfortable against because they just rush. I'll be honest. That, that Their whole game plan is to play aggressive.
2: And, and you 11 won them on a cent. Was yeah. that just knowing exactly what they're going to do every round? How are you guys so dominant on the defensive side?
5: Well, we didn't know whether or not they were going to rush a or B in particular, but we just knew that they were going to rush. They were going to do something fast and that's the style that they've, they've honed. And so we came up with a game plan for both sides uh, of the map. It's, you know, whichever side they start leaning towards, we'll have an answer. And, uh, you know, our game plan worked really well. It it was, You know, let them... Their strength is that they want to fight you with all, like, you know, five characters' utility, whereas you only have maybe two on the site. So what you have to do is just not fight them because statistically, you're just not going to win that. Like, maybe Mm -hmm. you get one or two kills, but more often than not, you're going to lose those trades. It's just hard to stop five abilities. So you just give up the site and then play retake because they have less abilities than you at that point. So you just try and get it you try to get one of those cheeky smoke kills while they're rushing, you know, try and get some shock dart kills, Um, do whatever you can to get little picks and do damage while they're entering the bomb site, but don't try and commit to fights and just play retake. And uh, once you, you know, kind of lull them into this like false sense of security of, uh, oh, they're just, you know, they're just playing retake, then you can start playing on the site and catch them off guard. And yeah, is this a game plan that, worked really well against them and honestly it works against most teams
3: yeah i mean i i don't know that there was much to take away from that game i think that when we talk about the immortals matchup i felt kind of similarly about immortals that it's a team that's not trying to play the mid-round and try to play the rotations and this this is a pretty clear difference when you watch a team like i think like the immortals envy game which we can we can look at next um, is is a game where this was a huge contrast for me. It's like a, Envy, a team that's got that CS background, you know, finesse at the helm, playing those mid-rounds, trying to win with, posi- like, out-positioning your opponent by playing the information game, playing the rotations. And then Immortals were a much more kind of bursty kind of team that didn't seem to be nearly as good in those scenarios. And it seemed like that kind of style is always going to work out a little bit better, like what Envy were doing. Did, are Immortals kind of at add a, add a barrier in their gameplay without adding in more strategic play or where where do you think immortals are at because that was pretty easy for envy as well
5: yeah i mean immortals and renegades are pretty much the same team in the way they play yeah they, okay. they need to develop like uh i think this is where having a good cs background a uh, high level cs background helps you is because you know at a high level in cs playing i think the first thing you learn to do is is learn how to default properly, and you learn how to stay alive, get information, and then do something off the information. Um, at least from my experience playing, that 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 was how it worked. And a lot of these guys, I, I don't know, they're they're just they're they're doing it reverse. They're just learning to rush everything, and they're not really building that foundation. I feel like as a team, you need to build the foundation first.
3: Gotcha. Yeah, I mean that that seems to make sense to me. Did you guys have anything else to add, Sean? I don't know if you. I don't know if, actually don't know if you casted this one. I don't remember who even casted. I casted this one. So maybe did you catch this game? <laughs> <laughs> I did catch this game. So
4: Immortals is a team where like I watch them play, and like they're just so good at this style that they run that I almost wouldn't want them to play a different style, which is weird. I don't know. Whereas Renegades, I think probably should try like a default style. I don't know. Immortals is in a weird spot because they have such good aimers and such. Their players are better at using their abilities, I think. Like, when I watch them, it's, like, chaotic as fuck, but everyone uses their abilities really, really well when I watch Immortals play. Um, I All those players are going to be in the pro scene, I think, in the future. Their team is very, very good. And I think they should have won Ascent. Like, actually, uh, quite a few clutches went Envy's way. I think, like, uh, FNS won, like, a one-on-four. They won a couple, like, crazy, like man down situations so i don't know man i don't think then at the same time it's like i don't think that immortals team was really poised to win the tournament they were like an upset team because of what right. you're saying yeah that they could beat anyone but i doubt they're gonna run all the way through a bracket
2: I so, just came, like yeah. small mistakes were happening a lot and kind of the bigger brain plays coming in from envy uh mummies positioning a lot of the time or finesse clutching up at the end of the games it felt like they just had some holes in their post plants it seemed like some of their entries would be a great initial burst but then they struggled when the retake came in and i think that's just a time thing the squad just needs to get more games in because as you said sean shot up something like the top five list for all of the stats coming into the tournament like they have that raw (laughs) talent they have the aim they can show you like that they they have fragging power but it doesn't look like they were fully drilled quite yet
3: i think on that ascent game too there was a an element for me where i think envy made things uncomfortable for themselves by accident because they they got into this situation where with the like the the economy change they saved like a couple guns and kind of put themselves in a situation where they had like two or three like weird half buys in a row type of thing and that allowed uh that allowed the uh, immortals to get a pretty pretty uh a good climb back into the game there and made it look really close but it felt like when envy had their full buy rounds things were pretty consistently under control um into that second half but um, but yeah, so it's it's going to be interesting to see the development there um, with, with Immortals. Because I completely agree. It's like it feels that like their players are so insane and you just kind of almost want to see them be able to be in the spots that the Envy MV, MV players are in because they're just so individually insane. Um, but with that said, I don't think I have anything else to add on, on this quarter. We, you know, we, we we're we about to go into the lower side of the bracket, which is where some, you know, really awesome games happen. Where happens, the real fun was. Yeah. So we can just go straight to that. Um, Sentinels phase is, uh, is it, that was uh, obviously uh, an interesting one because we didn't know what to expect from Sentinels coming into this, and same with FaZe. Um, what did you guys think about this matchup?
4: Yeah, I think uh, th- when I watch FaZe, I mean, I'll save James from probably saying some fucking mean shit right here, but <laughs> what when I watch FaZe, like, their players are incredible aimers. Fucking insane. Probably, like, some of the best aimers in the scene, but even on like an individual level, they don't use abilities as well as a team like Immortals, right? I think if I see any of them in aim battles, I have faith that they'll win, but you don't get clean aim battles in this game very often. Like it's very easy to disrupt those aim battles for teams at the top of the scene like when they play a team like Sentinels, they're not just going to be able to run up short A bind and like take a a fight to a guy heaven. That's not going to happen. Like They're gonna be like running through a Molotov or like jumping through a smoke or you know blind and spaced all over the place and having to whip back. And they just don't have the layers and ability usage that they need yet. That doesn't mean that I don't think they'll ever get there, but they're when I watched them, they they I have faith that they'll be at the top of the scene, but and they've improved a lot. They've improved more than probably any other team in the top of the scene, but there's definitely
2: something missing when I watch phase. I think a lot of people give Raucous shit, just looking at these numbers too, but you look at Corey's average damage per round and the number of entries he had Raucous had some incredible blinds throughout this tournament. And for me, I actually felt the X factor was baby Bay. If you watched baby Bay in the qualifier, he was hitting those op shots. His op was not on in this matchup, and I think he kind of fell behind early, and that affects his confidence. He's a guy that just rolls with confidence. If you let him start to um, spiral, he's he's just going to blow up your team, and we saw that in the Overwatch League. But if he starts to lose those early battles, then he starts to play a little more timid, and it, it seemed to cause some frustrations, especially on that first map bind. Looking at FaZe Clan, and you've played them, Hazed, Like, what is the strength of this team, and where is the weakness of the squad, if you could analyze it?
5: Yeah, I think Sean was pretty much on point with most of that. I think their their strength is for sure is their aim. I mean, it, if they're confident and they're running at you, it is very hard to stop. Um, they're like a freight train. But uh, their weakness is that if you can, if you challenge them in that aggression and you win and you break their confidence, it's what it feels like at least. It feels like you can just break their confidence. And then at that point, the game's over. Got it. Um, yeah they're, they're man they will run you over they are so aggressive i remember we played them on on a bind once in a scrim i think we got 12-0 first half and we were t side they were ct and i swear they were playing ct side like they were t they were they were rushing us in our spawn <laughs> and i'm like dude this is insane and it, that like that's the kind of team that's the kind of energy that they have that like if you don't
4: challenge them early and win. they will run you over dude it's hilarious watching them play because they don't have that like cs background right that all the other top teams have really and if there's like a the spike is planted in a bomb, so it's like a two on two like a cs team will play the bomb they'll they'll like hide and like wait till it's tapped these motherfuckers are just like acting like the the spike isn't even planted they'll just challenge you the entire time yeah it's crazy <laughs> yeah, they're fearless dude they're, they're fearless. so fearless and it honestly works because it's so unexpected in these top, for these top teams. It's so crazy. I never know <laughs> what's
2: going to happen when I watch them. I think what's weird here is that, uh, and the chat was kind of confused on this. I don't know if they're trolling, but they asked, are, who's on the Overwatch League or who was? Well, Corey was. He was on Washington. You had Zachary playing for Dallas, Baby Bay with the Shock, and then Rock is down in Houston. So four of the five guys came from Overwatch. And to see them struggling with abilities when they come from a game that was basically built on abilities kind of blows my mind. I think that's something that you can definitely be drilled on and, and you can improve as a squad. And I hope to see it from them soon. Cause I was expecting the Sentinels match to be a little bit closer, but it's a, it's a tough first round matchup to go up against Sentinels in there, in the quarters there.
5: Well, I'm not, yeah. I'm not too keen on overwatch, but like, I don't know how often you're supposed to use your abilities for like your teammates. Like, is that, is that normal? So-
2: so a lot of these guys, like Ruckus was a pure support player. He was only healing his teammates and using abilities to counter the enemies with his honor Grenades or to heal up his teammates with it. His Sleep Dart, of course, to save teammates. So Ruckus is purely that guy to make someone else look good. Baby Bay was like a star sniper, so he didn't have to use his abilities other than his movement a lot, um, or he'd play Tracer. Um, Zach... Zach was definitely more of a support player and Corey was also like baby Beige's hardcore damage dealing fragger where you use right. your abilities, but very aggressively for yourself. So I feel like Corey on, on Raze is the perfect character for him.
5: Did they ever have to like layer abilities? Like, were there any like strategies where you like layered abilities to attack something or
2: all the time, almost all every time? Team fight. Yeah. Okay, well, that's
5: weird then. Because I, I feel like that was like something you learned from counter-strike is learning how to like, Layer your grenades to. I I
2: think it was more reactive than coming up with the strat going in, though. So that that's probably the biggest difference in my eyes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Dude, are those stats
4: real? Rockus actually went one in fourteen with twelve damage around that that game.
2: I didn't. Sean, Sean. (laughs) Oh no, oh no, Sean. T1 Mobile couldn't read that.
4: That's (laughs) crazy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's rough. Because
4: that guy's actually good as fuck. I'm not joking. I've watched him play. He used to be like the jet main on that team, but then baby Bay took that over. Mm-hmm. That's kind of crazy. Damn. He had a rough series, man.
3: That is it's rough. We won't uh we won't punish him any longer. We can move on to the uh last uh Sorry, final game. Love you, buddy. And uh, <laughs> 100 Thieves and T1. This was an insane game. Like going into this one, you got 100 Thieves who's just getting better every every like single game that they play and looking super good and you got T1 Who's also looking extremely good. Like it actually works, the lineup. And going into the beginning of this game, that haven, you got Scarf flying around with the the hitting every dagger, hitting all the operator shots. It seems like he's coming into his own. Oh man, it was, this is an insane game. I felt like 100 Thieves that, that actually T1 may have been the better team this game, but they just won more clutches. It, it, it felt so close. This was the second best match of the entire weekend for me. I,
2: I thought this one was incredible.
5: Yeah, it was definitely a good match. I thought T1 was actually going to win going into it. Yeah. Uh, that was my prediction. They, I, I don't know, like strategically, they, they're hard to play against. And I thought they're, I also thought it was going to be a juice matchup. I mean, Steel versus Days, that's kind of yeah. sick. But uh, I, I, th- I thought Days would get the better. Uh, of him in, the, in this but he did both teams played phenomenal
3: phenomenal match I agree it was crazy to see that like at first I'm like oh my god T1 is playing so well my mind is blown at this improvement and then I'm seeing 100 Thieves like giving them an insane game and I'm like what is happening in this matchup this was a really insane one it, it, it's uh Sean when you, when you were uh, casting this one with me did you have any like major takeaways from, this, from that first Haven game Dude,
4: it just felt like everything went hundred thieves' way. Like Mm. if if we were doing like coin flips, you know, in the clutch scenarios, it was like it landed heads ten times in a row. It felt like, (laughs) right? Like it was crazy. Even from like the pistol round where Eco stuck that defuse and and dazed us like lining up shock darts instead of peeking in. And like, there's just so many little weird scenarios that fell in hundred thieves' favor. And that's why when the series ended, even though it was 2, I was like, that shit was 50-50. Like, that could have easily gone the other way. Yeah, I think back. T1 fell apart on Haven. I don't really remember Bind all that much. I think 100 Thieves probably looked
3: better on Bind, but... It was think- like a lot of like heavy shower stuff from both teams. A lot of shower stuff. That's that's what, what yeah. I mostly remember here and... I, again, it felt like what you just described for Haven, it actually felt quite similar for, for Bind as well. It felt like, obviously 100 Thieves, I think it's one of their better maps, but it seemed like uh, T1 had a lot of like pretty good answers for, for ways to counter it, but they were just not winning some of those important clutches. H- Hiko is like, it's actually so insane that Hiko played as well as he did in this tournament, and it kind of what's kind of cool is that it adds this dimension to this game, because I think, Sean, you were mentioning um, to me as well, like, it's crazy how many are these, like, ex-pro content creators are like doing so well and it's interesting because going to that tweet that you that you i don't think it was a tweet that you made hazel like something that you said but basically that this game is like it, there's a lower mechanical ceiling but strategically this game is like so much so much more impressive in certain ways it demands so much more from every player and it feels like players like hiko it, he's just in his perfect game it's like, is, mm-hmm. you know, is all is boomerang is not going to get as affected by this game. He's got a super high send, so he can turn from the million flashes. And on top of that, he's got the most experienced clutching in, 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 the, in the game.
5: Yeah. And I mean, it's I, so perfect for him. I, I completely agree. I think Kiko is probably the main reason they, they won this tournament. I mean, he won so many key rounds in both the T1 match and our match. You know, I mean, the whole their whole team plays well in clutches. They have a lot of experience over there, so they're hard to play against. But I, I would say the clutch factor is, like, really, those, like, 1v1, 2v1, 1v2 situations, like, that. that's where they shine.
0: Seals already.
2: Sorry, where is Hiko at his most dangerous? Do you like seeing him on Sova? Do you like seeing him on Rays? Because he was kind of switching up the agents throughout this tournament.
5: He's definitely scarier on Sova, I would say. I, I don't think he on Raze, he's he's okay. I I'm scared. I'm more scared of raises that are like these like young aggressive players
2: that will blast packing in.
5: Yeah, they're unpredictable. I don't. They're crazy. They just do crazy things and it works. Whereas like Hiko isn't really like that. He's more of a methodical player. It doesn't race. Doesn't really seem like it fits him. But Soba very much up his alley, and he's he has crazy shock dart lineups. It's really annoying.
3: Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's honestly like really crazy just how many, I think from Nitro and Steel as well. Like Asana and Dicey did the things you'd expect them to do, knowing them. I mean Asana, I think, really impressed that he was able to carry the, his performance through all the way to the finals and just be as good as he was the whole time. That's that's impressive as a as a youngster. But but like some of the stuff that Steel, like some of the setups that Steel created, like there's that obviously that cl- amazing like clutch play between Steel and Nitro, um, with the with the cipher like. Uh, tr- uh, Trip and and tra- and um Cage and Cam and so on in the garage position on Haven and he's got Nitro up on the box behind him. Mm-hmm. And just like, he had, so- Steel had so many cool little Cypher setups and on top of that, like he just had so many good timings as well. And he is fragging very very well. And this is something I think people didn't necessarily understand about him because from CS, is that like in his heyday in CS, he was like mechanically extremely good, extremely top tier. And it's very cool to see that he's able to innovate in so many ways with, with Cypher and pulling out Cypher in lots of ways that people aren't, aren't using him. And then Nitro in that Haven game as well found so many ridiculous timings <laughs> on the flank that I have never seen. <laughs> so it's, it, there's, there's something special about this this 100 Thieves uh, lineup in this tournament at least. I, I don't know if it's like something that you can study them and then be... Like, is this, like the stuff they're pulling out uh hey, Is this stuff that's just like the quality of them as players reading the game really well on the fly? Or is there some of this stuff that you can go back to and like look at the demos and be like, okay, I kind I can kind of see how to prepare for this a bit better next time?
5: Um, I think it's a mix of both. They're just a well-rounded team. They're they're much like us in that we have experienced players and then like some players that are relatively new. Maybe not as new as some of the players on their team. Like Dicey and Asuna are basically had no pro experience whereas our team we all of our i guess you call it newer players have still had experience um already but yeah they just have like a good mix of like raw talent experience good you know good intuition and you know i think they're just a team that you can study them and you can come up with ways you know you can see the nuance in their play and figure out ways to you know maybe counter something very specific but they're, they're going to adjust because they have that experience. And, and even if you, you know, get the advantage early in the round, the round's not over because they have so many good players on that team. Yeah, they're, just, they're hard
3: to play against. It's, it's awesome to see. And, and I think I, think I want to move this uh, through the semis now pretty quick because I do want us to kind of get our teeth into the finals and have enough time. So I'm For sure. a little bit aware of that time. So uh, let's, let's blast through the semis. Let's, let's talk about um, TSM and Envy first of all. Uh, number one seed. Envy looking really strong, and i I actually had them I, I felt like they may have edged edged you guys out actually over this, given how they'd played up up until that point but uh but you guys made quick work of this,
5: yeah, yeah it was it was pretty honestly, it shouldn't have been that easy, but it was um, <laughs> yeah you know, i I got throw a little shade on my boys. they're my boys i I didn't want to play them in the semis I wanted to play them in the finals, but the brackets you know played out how they did um it's never fun beating them but uh you know you gotta we're competitors so what we gotta do but yeah they came out cold and i mean we we knew how they played we i think they're the scrum—the team we probably scrimmed the most i would say i think envy's probably the team we scrimmed the most and um we're very comfortable playing against them they're very comfortable playing against us but i i gotta be honest we did not expect this Ooh.
2: I'm watching some highlights of Wardell doing a little tactical crouching here. Seems like there's a little in-game trash talk. Um, is there anyone that you felt you could target particularly? Like were you guys going for first picks against the same agent throughout this, or was it just better strategy or or what what was
3: the difference maker in this matchup? And before you answer that, Hazed, one K hype. One oh, K
0: hype oh, we did in the it. chat.
3: Let's go. Thank, <laughs> Thank you everyone for boy. getting us to one K. All right, Hayes, now you can now you can ask the question.
5: Uh, no, we didn't really target anyone in, in, in particular. No, it was just, you know, we, we had our game plan that we talked about uh, going into the match. And, you know, we just it was a matter of execution. And then on top of that, they, like, like I mentioned earlier, they played in such a way that they were rotating way more than they normally do. And that, you know, it, we felt like that was something an inexperienced team would play like. And so we were shocked that they were they were giving us some of these rounds um you know we walked into a bomb site i think on multiple occasions on ascent where no one was there and we're just like how like this is not the ending we normally placed <laughs> so yeah i mean they just weren't on on their game that day man
2: and you guys i think put them in a tough economic spot throughout this entire game just constantly putting them on the back foot so it just seemed they they couldn't get any momentum is Envy still a top three team in your eyes? Where where would you rank them?
5: That's tough. I don't know where I'd rank them right now. I, th- I think the top four is... I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. You know, because 100 Thieves obviously beat Sentinels and us um, on their way to winning. And then Envy uh, beat the hell out of them. And then sentinels has shown historically that they can beat any of us so i think like the top four is just really
4: jumbled right now i i couldn't tell Mm -hmm. you where does Anbox fit in all this because people i mean a lot Mm -hmm. of the pros said like you know with poach they probably would have made first strike are they like top five because we don't really i don't know much about them but i I mean the community seems to be very hype on Anbox. oh yeah they're fringe They're, they're
5: like they're there you know um Dude, that's a team we don't really scrim, so it's hard for me to gauge them. Um for whatever reason, we just don't really have scrims against them. Mm. So I I don't know the level that they're at, but from what I've seen in from some of the some of their matches, they seem very good. Uh yeah. you know, and I I play, I know, you know, we know those players from Counter Strike. So they have the skill. I play against them in Pugs, and sometimes I I'm like, dude, there is no chance. This is the, the like when you play against Yay and Android, yep. in a pug, they they will both have 30 kills, and you're like, "This team cannot lose." How, <laughs> they cannot lose." Uh, yeah, I, we just don't really play them, but they seem they seem like they've got what it takes to to break it. It's a top and five. boy
2: is an awesome raise to watch as well i've been watching a lot of his stream i think he plays on the highest sensitivity of anyone i've seen in valorant yet and box though i felt like they they played with their coach right because poach couldn't participate in the last qualifier yeah, if correct. they were in this where would they get an upset Ooh. that's that's yeah. the thing so we'll, like, we'll talk more about um, and Box yeah i know we got time constraints here so we should probably keep moving on to the other semi-finals but i definitely want to hit that team in the future we just need to see more footage of them playing as the full five-man roster Mm
3: -hmm. yeah 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 for sure yeah with that said uh we had what was the other one the other semi it was uh hundred thieves and sentinels of course and Mm -hmm. that that was again i think just like the t1 game Oh my God, this was another game where it's just like, it really felt like it could have gone either way. It actually felt like both teams were as good as each other. And it, it came down to some of the clutches and Sentinels. I mean, I usually, I usually always will edge them in, in that kind of a matchup. But 100 Thieves just brought some new magic into this to shake it up. Yeah, dude, the, en- the end of the first half of
4: Bind, like, do you, do you remember how that played out, Bind? It was like 50-50, right? I think it, I'm looking at the scoreboard right now. So Sentinels were up four to three on Bind. I think they were on attacks out of Bind. And then 100 Thieves won the last five rounds of that half. But those five rounds were like four on two, three on two, one V2. It was like everything went their way on those last five rounds of the Bind match. And I don't think Sentinels ever recovered. But that was so rare seeing Sentinels fall apart like that. That was weird to see.
5: Yeah, and it seems like that's a narrative that keeps being being like brought up about hundred thieves. And at some point, it, it, and the narrative is that like they always seem to like get luckier. like they get these like you know these really sick late round uh, wins. But it's like at what point is it no longer luck? They're doing it so often, yeah, that it's like you know they you can't get lucky that many times in a row.
4: Mm -hmm. yeah exactly
5: yeah that that's like that's their prime is whenever it's late round you know it's not a 5v5 that's when 100 thieves is their best and they they will pick teams apart and you know even a, a team like sentinels who's been winning a lot and has been very consistent they got picked apart and it shows that every team has weaknesses you know
2: I think the yeah. chap pointed out Steel on Bind was a monster as well. Steele had some really strong games, and this was one of his strong series.
4: Yeah, I was actually just going to point him out as well. That's good that you bring him up, Bucket, because there was two rounds, I think, on that attack side where Steele literally just like walked into the A site and caught Zombs. I think once in U-Haul, he walked up short A, and then once he walked out of showers. And those are just game-swinging moments, like that an individual player is just getting a pick on one of the two players playing the A site. And then that causes the mid-game rotation back to A. It's free. And I mean, that's it's crazy that he was able to find those windows. It, it, it reminded me of, like, Get Right in 2013, you know? At the mm-hmm. start of the game, finding all those windows and openings. I don't think those are going to be there, like, in the future. But that's fucking insane that he found them here. It's crazy. I wanted yeah. to ask about the
2: operator, Hayes. Do you think... Ooh that the op changes had a big effect on the overall way teams were playing in, in first strike. Can you still dominate with the op? Cause it seems like Wardell as, as good as he is didn't seem to be at, at his peak anymore. And Sentinels was always a team that, you know, they would run the op when they wanted to, but they were very comfortable on five rifles. So I thought this was going to be a meta that they should dominate.
5: Yeah. I mean, the op change has definitely affected all the opers. Um I think mainly the price has been the, a big difference uh, it's made it's made it very difficult to that first gun round to have an op um, so it, it's really lowered the value in it um, you know before the op nerf yeah I, the thing is matt could or wardell could just take over a game because it was so easily accessible and and it's not like people had this narrative of like what they're doing with C9, whether they say Tencent and friends, it was like Wardell and friends. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that we're not contributing or pulling our weight. It was that the op was so accessible and so strong on a character like Jet that it was almost oppressive. And they would just take over games completely. They didn't need a team because they could just do it on their own that didn't mean they, they didn't have a team behind them. And that was what was happening with a lot of teams. But now that the op got nerfed, you kinda, it kind of put everyone back into place and they had to start filling roles other than just going crazy and getting a bunch of kills. They have to start thinking about their setups, what, how they're going to react, you know, because it, sometimes they're not going to have ops. They're going to have to rifle. They just don't have the money. So it, it definitely changed the dynamic for a lot of teams. It changed the dynamic for us. We were actually very comfortable with the change. When it happened, uh, Matt was very uh, happy about it. To be honest, yeah, because he believed his rifle, and I actually believe it too. His rifle is insane, but he believed his rifle was on par with any other pro player, and that every other opera in North America was was gonna suffer because because their rifles wasn't as good as his. So we were super confident when that nerf came through, and everyone was trashing us on Twitter, on the forums. They're Haters. saying, oh, no, TSM's dead. No,
3: no, 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 no. Y'all are fools. It's okay. So good. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely been really awesome to see the um adaptation from your team. I think that that was something that I had like a big question mark in my head off, off of some of the initial success. But I think you guys have proven time and again you've been able to to, to to not be like, you know, one tricks and you've been able to innovate where needed and make it work for your team, which is like the, that's the biggest thing. And also teams have failed to do that. Like it's, I think it, it's, it's almost made, I think if people don't really think about it too much, you just see stuff that works. So it's hard to understand what it takes to actually make stuff work with with five players. Because you get so many options in this game too, in terms of like play styles for different uh, mm-hmm. players. So it feels like every team is just very, is, is a, its own unique thing because of that. So it's, it's, it's an interesting one. The public perception, though, is always fun to, fun to see what people are saying. But, um...
5: <laughs> Not the word I'd use sometimes.
2: Fun. <laughs> Very fun haste. Are you? Are we ready for to move on to the finals? Let's, let's do it. Uh, I just want to mention though, if you guys want to watch probably the best icebox from the event, it might have been this matchup. You guys can go check out the vods. It was overtime from Sentinels and hundred thieves, and uh, I was definitely surprised by how fun it could be to watch icebox after opening the event on that map.
3: Absolutely. Um, right. I think we have. We have a quick word first from our sponsors, but then we're going to get through onto that final discussion with the VODs. My heart is racing
2: right now, dude. Woo, we got a 50
3: times one. <laughs> another bonus. Boom. I, I love how pretty
2: it is.
4: Ignition, and
0: it's good. It's very good.
3: All right, guys. So we've talked about a lot of stuff so far about, about First Strike. But this there's definitely some moments in these finals that I really want to go over. Um, but but before we do that, in terms of getting you know into this finals haze, you had like not a long time to prepare for this, and you, you did have some matchup history with a hundred thieves. So what was the expectation going into this? Were you guys? Did you have like a confident game plan? I presume you must have done. Um, I doubt you're going to be like nah. We were really nervous and had a really terrible game plan. So you know whatever. But. <laughs> I'll let you just answer the question anyway.
5: Yeah, we had a game plan. Um a team we're like I said we were comfortable playing against. We played against them plenty. Um I mean they they definitely surprised us with the fact that they, you know, I didn't expect them to be T1. I didn't expect them to be Sentinels. So clearly I undervalued where like, you know, where they were at. Mm. And you know, I I have to hold that. That's fine. I could admit it. But um yeah, so we, we didn't take them light. Lightly going into the final, but we were still confident that we were going to win. So we came up with a game plan for uh, not every map, but most of the maps because we didn't have a lot of information on some of them. Um, but I, I'm sorry if you can hear that; that is loud. Uh, no, you're good. But yeah, so the the problem we ran into going into it was that like we created a game plan, but in some cases it it didn't follow what we had practiced and so at that point it became very hard for us to you know like figure out what the best course was do we continue with the game plan if it's not working and go back to our old stuff or not you know or just you know continue we weren't sure what we what we should do but um that's when we had to take some pauses and after map one we talked a little bit and you know tried to figure it out but yeah we we definitely had a game plan going
3: into it Did it work as expected, or or was it? Did you lose faith at some point? Did you have to kind of adapt out, or how did it actually end up in practice? In in a practical sense,
5: Um, yeah. the, The game plan. It obviously, I'm not gonna. I won't go into detail on it, but it was just. It didn't necessarily work the way we thought it would, and because it deviated so strongly from what we had practiced, that we felt like if we had just done what we practiced, it probably would have worked fine uh, or better. So, and you know, sometimes that's gonna happen. Sometimes the game plan you come up with works flawlessly and you just own, um, you know, that, that happened against Envy, for example. We played our game plan and it was perfect, but our game plan against Hunter Thieves just didn't work. And I think that's where having a lot of experience comes in, you know, we, where you have to kind of just sit down and and say to yourself like, what went wrong? Was it what we came up with? Were we not executing properly? Um, are we just like emotionally not in the right state? You know, you got to try and figure these things out.
4: Uh, okay. I mean, so what I'm curious what your thoughts are on like hindsight. So Sabrosa had so much success opening up rounds throughout the bracket previously, but in the finals, his stats on first bloods were like 11 and 19. But with that being said, everyone on Hundred Thieves was negative in first bloods or even besides Dicey, who is nine and eight. Asana was like eighteen and eighteen. But like you guys won the first bloods throughout that tournament, forty nine to forty three. But like, what happened to Sabrosa? Because he had so much success throughout the rest of the tournament. So I'm curious if like Hundred Thieves did something in your eyes to neutralize him.
5: Uh, I'm not. Really sure, to be honest um you know i haven't I really talked to him about that in particular. We talked after the match, obviously on what we thought went wrong, but we didn't like go into player specifics or anything. Mm. Um, you know sometimes you you just the stuff you do works against one team doesn't work against another. Um, yeah. whether he got countered, i don't know. I think that's something he would have to tell you but uh you know all, all I can tell you is he played his game that he normally plays and um you know it didn't work to the level that we saw previously in the tournament but it still worked fine
3: yeah okay well it's uh i want to throw something in there because let's, let's let's get let's get some of the the match uh going in the background here i've there got a, go. i've got a i've got a particular clip for you this is map one it's a split oh. and i'm sorry that you'll have to relive this hey, no
2: don't do but, it to him.
3: but this is the rounds where we see a thrifty win. Everything was going really well. So I wanted to get your take on this, because I felt like we we were saying on the broadcast that this was the momentum off of this from what Steele did in this round and the next was really huge. And you got into a pretty favorable position, but there was just like that one kind of overlooked spot. Um, (laughs) What Uh, what, what was going on?
5: Got, okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) i don't really know what had happened i haven't actually seen the vod of this yet because this is so bizarre on these strats i'm typically not there so i don't know what's happening in the bomb site um i think this was a, a rare instance of um nerves you know it's not something that we normally have but i felt like we were pretty timid um in this match we weren't really committing to things that we'd normally commit on we weren't being aggressive our comms were kind of off and i felt like we were playing nervous if i'm if i'm just gonna be honest um and that that's something that usually doesn't happen so yeah this round it i i know that (laughs) i was in team speak and some other players were talking about it and i just like i didn't even want to listen at the time i was like i just I don't know what happened. I don't want to do a review right now. I'm not happy, so I just didn't listen. But yeah, I, at some point we'll review it as a team and see what went wrong. But it, I think it was nerves.
3: Yeah, it was, it was. It was definitely one of those spots where, like, we were watching and we were looking at Steel and it's and it's just this one spot where, like, this he could actually win this round from this position, and it and he had the lockdown and he had the alarm. But everything was perfect, and and it just it just seemed like. This was the spot where they where they got it. I actually feel like when I was watching this, I can totally understand why that would that's like an overlooked position, mm-hmm. um, given everything that happens. But uh, but yeah, that was that was definitely the moment when they started to come back, and and then this next round as well was one that was particularly uh, difficult. Oh. Um, sorry to spring the VOD review on you, but <laughs>
5: no, it's it's fine, it's fine. I will say that you know on that round in particular, we did we did have like a pretty severe miscom if, if I remember correctly. Mm. You know, drone I, drone wasn't supposed to go down ropes um, but the way we calmed it made him think he was supposed to Gotcha. Uh, and so he moved on it because we didn't say someone's name specifically and so that ended up getting him killed like it, it was one of those moments that you look back and you're like yeah all you had to do is all, all we had to do is say someone's name to be more specific and it's just like that one moment it really messes it up but to be fair you know it's not his fault you know it's the team's fault because we shouldn't have been in that position to begin with the round should have we, we should have won the round clean 5-0 and, and, you know, and that's, this, how, that's how I think of it so
3: yeah and then this was another great spot for you guys on the following rounds you get the 5v4 you've got the run it back I think was there a run back to open this up but either way you're able to kind of take the site you force everybody out because it's the broza with the showstopper and then it's it's Steel again here that creates a, a, little like rat, a moment. Man. And it's this it's this play from here. Like, I don't think at this point anything has gone wrong for you guys. And I don't even know if you could have done anything better in this round. But this Steel is just a god in this spot. This
5: is another... Yeah, it's... I mean, the, the name of the game is miscommunication, man. Like Or nerves or something. Because we knew he had ult. Um, and we had said going into this round that, you know, wherever we go, he's going to go for an alt retake and we think it's probably going to play retake B. So if we go B, we should push spawn. The only person who pushed spawn, as we saw in the clip, is Yasin. So that was just like one of those moments where either someone didn't hear the call or they didn't act on it because they were unsure because of nerves or whatever reason. But yeah, we definitely had a game plan for this and then we just didn't follow it. So, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate.
4: Yeah, that was, that was hard to watch. I actually didn't remember all of those things happening like that, like how seen pushes in. He does get someone, but obviously yeah. he doesn't clear the left, Steel kills him, and then Drone goes in as well and has the same fate. And then Wardell doesn't realize that Cutler has an aftershock to get Steel off the bomb, so he dies. And then Cutler pops his ult like a second late. Like, so many things just went wrong in the span of like 10 seconds. It's yeah. actually crazy.
3: Yeah this game yeah. is so insane for that just how that snowballed it's really unfortunate yeah. and <laughs> um are there any other cuz it seemed like you guys as you said like had a pretty good like awareness of when the you know the old economy and everything obviously they were playing like under Thieves were playing pretty heavily to like stack as many lockdowns as possible on steel and every every single time there's like a round where steel is going to get the lockdown you guys knew about it and you'd have like more you'd give up the sites you play more retake and more heavy mid which i thought was that's just like such a good Rule of thumb adjustment against that, but but yeah, it's it's these moments. It's just it's just some of these moments. I think otherwise, you guys played such a good split against yeah, them.
5: Yeah, yeah. It's the, the worst part, honestly, is I realized last night that the first round of the entire series is the only pistol we won. We won. Yeah,
3: yeah you guys you went, went one and seven, right? Chat, I have some chat stats was actually. about that. Yeah, you <laughs> went one for
4: seven on pistols. But your total frags, you had 324 in the series and 100 Thieves had 316. You outfragged them in the series. Clutches throughout yeah. the entire series. You had four. They had eight. Hiko had seven all by himself. Yeah. Four one on ones, three one on teams Like fucking incredible. You guys had 49 first bloods. They had 43. Like all of the stats kind of favor you, but these late round plays and like, that thrifty in particular, and then this mm-hmm. round on split, they had all of those swing moments go their way. Yeah, that's why this series was just so insane to me.
5: I also it was actually. Epic. I also think something they did that was better than pretty much every other team we played is how well they used stinger buys. They like yeah. they're, they they echoed us seven times that mm-hmm. in that series, and it was all because of like these stinger buys that they were doing, and they just
2: rolled us. Do you know? guys, it's it's frustrating player? on a hundred thieves to play against like who is the guy that was always in a position that you weren't expecting or throwing you off because i know steel when we had nitro on the show steel kind of took pride in in playing like a rat was the (laughs) self-described play style at times uh and i could see a few of those as the observers caught it but was there anyone else on the field that was causing issues for you Haze? uh
5: i mean i'd say I'd say it's Steel and Hiko for us were the hardest to play against in that series. I mean, statistically, I think Asuna
4: was their was their best player, wasn't he? I
3: yes, remember. I, I want to say so. I think yeah, Hiko might have ended up edging him out at the end. Oh. Maybe. But it's real close to between us two. But either way,
5: like in terms of like in-game and the pressure you felt from the players, I we felt like at least for me, it felt like Hiko and Steel were like the guys that were causing the most problems for us, um, you know, and we knew going into it that steel was going to cause a lot of problems for us in particular, mm-hmm. for just from the way he played in scrims. And we saw the way he's playing in matches. He's uh, as he uh, self-proclaimed rat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He plays in such a way that makes you upset and <laughs> he's, he's trying to get you angry mm-hmm. and it, it works against most people. And there are times it works against us. Like I, I, sometimes I'll die to steal, and I'm like, "You do not oh, deserve man. anything." I, I get so <laughs> mad, and I just start, you know, <laughs> I just start ripping into him. But Dude. I mean, he's a good player; he knows what he's doing.
3: you just reminded me, there was this one other steal rounds on on a split where he was like playing Killjoy defense, sat in the corner, like his team stacked four on a or something. And he he was in the corner like wasting with the trip right now like on the with a pistol and yeah. he got fault lined all of you ran past no one checked it even though he got fault lined and he still got a kill with a pistol whilst he was fault lined because then it's just else. And, yeah, and, and that actually was what ended up stacking the odds against you to, for them to win that for a round as it, well. So. It felt like he was messing with Wardell as well.
2: Wardell was uh, often opping down into the, the B orb, and Steel was just peeking him and then ego-challenging with the Vandal, and he won a few of them, but it seemed like he was just purposely, like, while the rest of the team was off on a plan or on a mission, he was just going to be there every round and consistently annoy Wardell.
5: Yeah, he, that, that's his goal. He, he wants, he's always the backup plan. He's always the backup. They, they have something in mind, and they have a second option if you know, the first option doesn't work. And that's why they're frustrating to play against. Because if you think you won the round, you're wrong. They, like, they're going to backstab you. And so you can't ever commit to anything with them. You have to play the mm-hmm. map and trust your teammates to hit their shots. And if they don't hit their shots, the round gets really difficult. But as long as you, as you win your duels, you can beat that team.
3: So, like, so let's go to uh, bind then, because I feel like you know we're talking about steel, and I, I think that for me on Bind, especially on the attack, he was a particularly problematic player because he he's he's really good at finding those timings up a short or out showers after like really like like there was this mistake that I feel like Sentinels made against a hundred thieves. That I feel like you guys didn't make, and so I'm really curious on, on your thoughts on this. It felt like the default with, from our 100 Ds was really hooker heavy. And Sentinels started to feel like they had to commit an extra player at the beginning of the rounds towards B. So They're playing that 3B, 2A setup. And then it created all these timings in the early rounds where Steel could lurk out showers or up A short. And he, he like got free kills or got so much, gained so much ground that it just created huge problems. And he's able to exploit that. You guys didn't make that. Um, move like you you kept three on a a lot of the time and didn't over respect them. I felt like that was a, that was the adjustment that Sentinel should have made. Um, what is it like playing against that kind of style? Because it, it looks very difficult to deal with, especially the way that they were playing Hookah. Yeah, I
5: I think it's becoming the norm to play three a because of this. It's just very hard to hold these like fast a uh, executes on a spawn um with only two people i mean if i'm gonna be honest it's just impossible uh you have to get really lucky so you need 3a if you're gonna hold that kind of stuff um otherwise you have to play retake and you could play 3b but at that point retaking a is just really difficult so we feel like and i think most teams are trending this way just playing 3a is just the safer thing to do it's more well-rounded um the guys on b just have to commit to something and you know get information early not try and like necessarily hold the site, but maybe get a pick or something and fall back, or just get information and fall back. Um, but yeah, the, the teleporters change things a lot, and they allow you to be able to rotate very quickly to B, whereas to A you can't really do it as much because the shower teleport is kind of disconnected from the site, whereas right. the the hookah teleport is is pretty close. It's fairly fairly connected, so um, it just it's easier rotation wise to do that, and I think. That's something that I agree. A hundred thieves should have, uh, or sorry, a uh, sentinel should have abused. Um, but you know, props hundred thieves for like you, you know they're, they're finding the weakness in a lot of these teams and, and abusing it.
2: You said you felt you should have three would this squad. Where mm-hmm. did this game on bind go wrong for you?
5: Well, like what we just talked about, I th- and what I also what I previously mentioned was our, at the game plan thing. You know, I think our game plan strayed away too much from what we had practiced. And if you watch the start of the game, uh, you know, the first, I would say five ish rounds, six rounds, it's not how we normally play bind. And that was our mistake. And it cost it, you know, it ended up being 13, 11.
0: Mm-hmm. And
5: if we just sewn up those first few gun rounds, it, this game could have easily been our way. Um, you know, it, it was, it, I think it was, we made a, a mistake game plan wise and on bind in particular whereas the other maps you, you, you know i think maybe some other st- mistakes came into play but in this map in particular i think we had a, a a very bad game plan
3: yeah bind looks very difficult it was also like in the series it, it kind of felt like split okay you guys are supposed to win that Under these, are kind of supposed to win binds they they seem super favored on that map they, they looked amazing had an answer for absolutely everything um, but but obviously that lose, losing that split that seemed to be what really was the big problem um, for you guys. Um, is there anything different you 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 change because obviously you know you're running Sky um, in this finals on on binds, and is that something that you would definitely be like ah actually we didn't like this. Was it kind of an on the fly thing?
5: No, it's something we practiced and we were comfortable with it. It's just um, Sky and Silver just are just. They're interchangeable, but how you use them is is slightly different, you know. Um, we can still run most of our strats with either one, or pretty much all of our strats with the same with either character. Okay. It's just uh yeah, how you go about it, it may, may be a little different.
3: Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see the development there. Um right, it's I wanted it's, to ask uh, Sean
2: and Dan if you don't mind. So yeah. you guys got the opportunity to cast this final. You start with an overtime second game goes 13 11 like what were you guys most pumped about because the cast was incredible i was feeding off your energy like it, this this was like the greatest series in valorant history in my eyes
4: i mean we talked we we just watched this like what happened on split and then what happened on Bide. and i was just thinking like while i was casting with dan and we even said it we we're like dude this is oh two but we really I, we feel like this is gonna go five maps man like I feel like those maps could have gone TSM's favor. Like, Mm -hmm. a couple of things just didn't go their way. If they're mentally in it still, then, like, this is going the distance, man. Like, this is going to be probably a 3-0 right now. So, buckle in. Like, that's, that's all we were saying behind the scenes is, like, this shit is wild. Like, this is so close.
3: Yeah, it was kind of the perfect combo of teams because it's just like the clutch factor was definitely there for both teams. It was proven for TSM. 100 Thieves have been proving it every game. And so it's like, there's not really a way that you could separate either team and be like, oh, well, this team's a little bit better at that or this team has more of this. It really felt like, especially given the statistics, if you look at all the stats, it just works, it works out into this like unknown fifth map, which we should get. And, and so, yeah, that was just perfect. It's like exactly what we wanted who was the most hyped for you guys <laughs> coming into
2: this match like what were the comms like because clearly against envy you guys were feeling really confident talking a little trash before the matchup was it mm-hmm. that same vibes coming into this series
3: and i'm actually gonna have to pause you again before you answer that haze because we've got to say goodbye to sean with a respect he's got a hot out at yeah. noon here sean thanks so much for coming on man for this like two hours yeah. sort of decompression session after the first strike finals it's, it's awesome to have you on you yeah me. thanks guys
4: Oh, before I leave, I just want to say everyone in chat, all you commenters, shut the fuck up and stop giving Hayes shit. It's not excuses. This is what a competitor does after they lose a match. The things that sit and resonate in their memories are the negative moments. He's not going to remember all the things that went right. So, of course, he's going to think, talk about what went wrong. It's not an excuse. It's how you get better. Shut up. Appreciate the fact that someone like Hayes is willing to come on a show like this and give you this otherwise you might not get it in the future anyway that's it for me guys
3: mic drop let's go hell yeah all right thanks so much to sean for coming on and it's it's so awesome to, to have him back on again and uh right i guess we can we can uh you know pick up where we left off we'll get the we'll get, we'll get a little broman image in there i like that yeah. so he stays on spiritually on the show whilst we close <laughs> things out and, and uh, you know, just you know, checking in with you guys. You guys have ch- time to close out this finals.
2: What was the question you asked, Buck? Yeah, so, so it, was, oh, it yeah. was just Tom. So I wanted to know, like, vibes and, like, in-game, uh, yeah. after that game one loss. Like, what, what's the response? What are you guys like on the mics?
5: Yeah, I th- our energy definitely wasn't as high uh, at the start of the match, for sure. Um, for whatever reason, you know, we, we have shown in the past that we can come into a, a match very cold. We can get one, you know, one round out of 14 and then win the BO3. But we just, for some reason, we start cold. And so okay. when, whenever it happened, we kind of just expected it. We were like, okay, it's whatever, dude. We'll pick it yeah. up. You know, we'll win second map. Not a big deal. And then, uh, you know, the comms, they, they slowly improved. They, get, they got better. When we were down 0-2, um, you know, you got to keep the spirits up. No one's happy that you're mm-hmm. you've lost two maps that you feel like you should have won on both and then you know so it's funny we're down 0-2 me and Yasin started cracking jokes as soon as it ended we're we're <laughs> we're in team speak and we're just like guys listen imagine the storyline 3-0 comeback just think about it we we did this on purpose like we lost two maps to create the story and we're just like Thank we're trying you. to get we're trying to get everyone happy and laughing and mm-hmm. we're just you know we're, we're just trying to say whatever we can to to keep the spirits up yeah is it we, always
2: we saying that or is it you normally stepping in and, and making people chuckle who who does that on the regular basis for the squad i'd say
5: yasin is so is number one yeah he's he's the jokester of the group for sure um if we're winning i'd say wardell is up there with them they're like they're a power couple whenever we're winning (laughs) okay they just they feed off each other and they just start saying crazy stuff they're yelling making noises it's it's really funny but yeah i would say yasin is like the he's like the rock emotional rock of the team for sure
2: i was thinking (laughs) dwayne johnson um in the Overwatch League, we would often do listen-ins and comps. Are you nervous that that might be a thing in 2021 where <laughs> the production can now mic you up to the audience?
5: Oh, God. There was actually a moment in the match. Or it wasn't in the match. I think it was as it was starting or something like that. And I'm like, the, the admins are in our team speak. And we were saying some crazy stuff. And we're, <laughs> I just remember I said, I hope to God they aren't recording this. And then uh the, the admin unmuted and goes, uh it is not live, don't worry, but we are recording. And I okay. was like, oh god. <laughs> do, it do it the VODs. do it the VODs. I'm like, please do not, do not let this leak. Whatever you do. Uh, I am petrified. I am petrified of listen-ins.
2: We'll give you like a little blinky red light so you know you're on air. You can be super proper and really respectful and get all the sponsors. Oh,
5: god, dude. <laughs> it is that is a nightmare man i'm gonna have ptsd if there's a blinking red light and i see it i'm just gonna freeze right i'm not not
2: gonna be able to perform Uh, us casters have that same problem especially with remote productions i now just mute everything as you saw on tonight's call (laughs) (laughs) i just got to put it on lockdown it's like i can't take the risk here uh dan jumping back into the game so we talked a little bit about split we talked about bind um Ascent was another one, Hayes, where it was just the pistol rounds started off wrong for you guys. It looks like uh, you lost both pistols again in this one. Is there anything in particular that was happening in those pistols? Um, or was it just like a really strong fragger from 100 Thieves that was an issue? What was going down?
5: Uh, pistols are a problem for us against every team. So That's our biggest issue. We can't win pistols. Um, sometimes we feel like the strategy was good. We're in position to win the round, and then we choke and then sometimes our strategy is terrible, and then we get in position to win the round uh, through making a lot of really good decisions, but because we started from behind, we have low HP or something, we just end up losing. I mean, sometimes it's just bad decisions that we make. Uh, dude, I, I, everything's wrong with pistols. I don't know, man. I, I wish I could figure it out. It's so funny.
3: <laughs> it's, so, it's such a weird one because it feels like there's, there's, there shouldn't be too much that you could even change, right it, it kind of feels like that, so I don't know you guys obviously because considering how big pistols are and you know in in every attack FPS, like it is surely like you you must have been i'm sure you've all thought about this right and had many discussions about this
5: mm-hmm. yeah we've uh we've definitely had some back and forth in the team speak over the last few months over our pistol rounds. every tournament we play, we always make it so hard for us the one the, when we win we lose or we we when we win a tournament we always look back at our pistols and we're like we lost every single pistol how did we and like every game's 13 11 or like we're in an ot we're like dude if we just win one pistol we could our lives no stress, <laughs> no, stress no anxiety like it'd be perfect we'd have so much fun but, <laughs> and, and we, we try to, to come up with solutions. we just can't
2: um, I I saw someone in the chat say they wish they had a five seven like pistol, and that they just hate the classic and they hate Ooh. the ghost. It seems like Nitro was the one guy that was just always buying the ghost. Have you guys ever tried running five ghost? Like, yeah. do, do you shoot better with that one?
5: We at the start of like in beta and when the game first came out, we played almost exclusively five ghost on pistol round. And admittedly, we were a, a little better. I, I have to say, we won more pistols back then. But I don't think it was because we were running five ghosts. I think it right. was because everyone in the game was running five ghosts. And since our aim was typically, like, we feel like our aim was better, we were winning those rounds more often. But now that people transition to using Classic and Utility more, and they have armor, you don't get that one-shot kill. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's much harder for us to win pistols because of that. But, um, yeah, man, we we... We could try five ghosts. I mean, Taylor,
2: hire me as a part-time coach. I'm here just to theory craft with you guys. Let's try it out. Um, Honestly, uh... Hold on. Here's
5: the solution. I got it. I'm just going to drop you a deagle every pistol round. There Even we go. Armor. He has deagle <laughs> armor on rays. Raid boss. I like that. the Play.
3: <laughs> I always wondered if, uh, like, I, I, I would imagine tens must do this. I'm sure that he does, but it's like the sheriff with the overheal must be like so good. A player oh, like yeah. that, but but uh, what about just what about like a uh, you know, pistol composition, five jewelers or something? I don't know, just like specifically a comp, just only designed to win pistols, and just you just figure it out for the rest of the rounds,
5: dude. We've thought about that, you put <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh, I've God. Actually, we've put in thought about this because if you run Sage Reyna in particular, those two are amazing, on oh. it would be very strong, and we could win pistols, and maybe we snowball off that. You never know.
3: I like this, I like dude. this, Dan. Breaking the game. I think that reminds me. On this map, actually, wasn't there a, in the pistol like Hiko double shock darted Asner at the beginning of the round? So you, I didn't have your most important agent on the pistol. Wasn't that in this uh, game? What was that? I'm thinking of a different. I don't remember. Different game. I don't know. Either way, you think, yeah, you guys got kind of wrecked on those oh, pistols. The,
5: the sh- when Cutler shock darted. Was it Cutler? The, well, yeah. Oh. I, you, I think you're thinking about the Envy game when kibbutz okay. on ascent was running into a and he got double shock darted and died
3: ah uh, okay yeah, yeah that makes more sense. there's a lot
2: of Valorant over the last few days Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah i'm just amazed that you woke up at 9 a.m to do this show today dan like aren't you exhausted from the weekend
3: oh i've been up longer than that my friend <laughs> 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 yeah 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 absolutely but it's it's all it's all worth it man gotta put the show together and i'm super excited that we had you know such good guests as well um speaking of which i do want to um ask you guys are you good to go another 15 minutes to close this one out
2: yeah let's open it up let's go i'm good for whatever man i got nothing to do today we
3: we got 1k viewers
2: we got a finalist here one of the goats of valorant here in north america hazed it's gonna be it's gonna be a good day dan
3: i'm blushing all right well with regards to like ascent do you have any any other thoughts uh hazed in terms of this Ascend matchup and just in general Ascend, because for me, as I'm like looking back on this entire series, actually, because when you're, when you're in the moment, everything feels different. But now that I'm looking yeah. back on it, it, it and, and with the stats that Sean mentioned and laid out so nicely for us, it is kind of insane, actually. Like you guys actually were ahead, generally speaking. And I can kind of see that, that it, 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 when we were casting the game, it felt like 100 Thieves. was like, what, you know, what can you do against 100 Thieves? They're just, they're just like winning these rounds. But it's harder yeah. to see that they had all of these crazy disadvantages and all of the timings went their way. There's all these like weird clutches and late-round scenarios. But ultimately, like you guys were kind of winning, though.
5: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of emotional weight behind what happens in rounds. Um, and when your team is consistently winning from behind, winning clutches, that, that carries a heavy emotional burden on both teams and for us obviously it's a negative but for them it's a it's a positive because you know they they you get hype on those kind of moments so it's it's good but for us we're like wow we should have won this round that's you know that sucks so yeah it, it from a viewer perspective like when you're seeing a lot of clutches you'll just automatically that that kind of feeling seeps in your mind that oh they're winning um, you know just because they're winning the clutches but and you know when you look at it stats wise i mean we, were, we should have won most of those rounds. We just We didn't play right.
2: Do you want to run it back? Do you want another series against them like this month? Will you guys be playing in the JBL Quantum Cup? The chat needs to know, Haste. Uh, I don't know. Am I? Yeah, well, we, You're not on this site, so you probably shouldn't say anything yet. Uh, nothing on I Liquipedia. Only know. 100 Thieves.
5: I will not there. confirm or deny our involvement in the JBL Cup.
2: But who would you rather face? Let's just go to that. Would you rather face Hundred Thieves or would you rather face um, Sentinels, if you could guarantee a
5: matchup? Oh, TSM tweeted it. Never mind. Uh, so yeah, we are playing it. Uh, nice. <laughs> I would. I would like to have a run back with Sentinels, but I mean that's just because of the rivalry. But dude, I mean when we put, that series against Hundred Thieves, it was only four maps, but the maps were super close. It, it was. It's fun, dude. I like I like playing those those kinds of matches. You know, even if I lose, it's still fun because it's so high pressure that like it's really testing you, right? Um, dude, yeah I, I would I would say Sentinels just for the rivalry, but I'd gladly play either one.
2: Admins, make both of them happen just for
3: me, please. <laughs> Put them in the same <laughs> group. I don't care. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be some pretty hype show matches. Maybe down the line. Maybe. Ooh. Maybe. maybe. Dude, I feel like we have to maybe do like a TSM Sentinel show match because, dude, we get, we have so few tournaments. You guys still haven't played. Damn it. Yeah,
0: we got denied. It
3: was, it got pipped mm-hmm. at the post, as they say. And you guys uh, almost made it in the finals, but not quite. So yeah, we have to make, close. we have to force the action at this point. I don't know what else to do.
2: Yeah. I think we got to open this up to chat here dan if you're down to do a little ask us anything because we have so many awesome people want to give a shout out again over a thousand people for the first time live on the show not to mention everyone who will be watching this or listening to the podcast later thank you guys if you haven't already hit that follow button but this is something dan and i like to do on almost every episode where we open it up to the community and let you guys talk with the biggest names in the game there it Um, comes and 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 keep it Keep it kind here, guys. We did such a good job in the Valorant chat and all there the messages comes. to the casters. Let's keep it positive here. Here we go.
5: Keep it positive. How dare you? <laughs> uh,
2: okay, so this first one is from Briskio. How much do you think 100 Thieves anti strated you guys for the finals? What makes 100 T such a different team to play against? Um,
5: I don't think they particularly anti stratted us. I don't think that is as pervasive as people think within the pro scene. Um, I think when it comes to trying to find counters for a team, it's not really like fully countering the way, you know, like a a way a team plays. I think it's more like you look for a tendency that someone has and you try to like prey on that tendency. So like if someone's leaning, like if something happens on one side of the map and you see that they, they shift slightly, and when something doesn't happen on that side of the map, they don't shift. So you kinda, you can kind of gauge where they're going to be without having to see them. That's the kind of stuff I think uh, pro players are looking for. Um, and I'd, I would assume that Steel does that stuff. I mean, I think most teams do that stuff. Uh, Steel, I think, is better at it than most people, to be fair.
0: Mm-hmm. He's
5: you know obviously a great IGO and also abuse teams. Um, but I don't think it's as in-depth as people probably think it is. Um, but yeah, I, what, and then the, the second half of it was, what was how difficult were they to play against, or what, what was that?
2: Yeah, what makes them different from other teams when you play against them? Oh, what makes them different
5: is the way they lurk. They, they have true lurkers in Hiko and Steel. You, it's very, it is very very, very difficult to flank them because there's always someone there and against a lot of these, even some of these other pro teams, you can catch their flanks open. Whereas, d- dude, you just know 100 Thieves has flanks locked. You just can't do it. And that allows their entries to be very comfortable with how they're um, attacking bomb sites. They know that they don't have to worry about their back ever. Um, it, yeah, I, I, would, I would say the way that they lurk is probably the most frustrating thing.
3: I like yeah, that. Okay. You got another one? No, I was just gonna say it definitely fell out. Like looking at these games, that was part of the X factor to this team a hundred percent. Every time I saw them playing against teams, that was the that was like the main point of struggle for people to deal with, like consistently. So I definitely see that. Um, I actually have a quick question for you because we didn't actually uh, look at the Haven VOD. Is there anything oh. from Haven that for you was a a a takeaway? Because from our perspective, from from my perspective. It looked like you guys on on like going into that second half. You, you, there was like a point in which it looked like confidence had actually been lost. Like it almost like there was this element like you weren't confident to to take the fight or sort to of put the aggression on. Um, was that something that you were feeling, or am I just kind of projecting that on onto the situation there?
5: Um, yeah, that, that was just a. I think some frustration had built up to that point, and it was starting to show. Um, yeah, I. I mean, myself in particular, I wasn't very happy with the way we were playing. Um, I thought we were playing, like I mentioned earlier, um, I thought we were playing timid. um, And I thought it really showed on Haven that we weren't, it was just, it was a mixture of like bad communication. And I think that's because of the frustration that it built up. And then also just, uh, and then us playing timid. It's a bad combination, man. And yeah, I, I think it's, you know, we're all human. It's it's gonna. You can only take so much up to so you know, uh, so much for so long, and it's gonna boil over. And I think it boiled over on Haven.
0: Okay, I
2: felt bad, well, Dan. I didn't want to yeah. keep bearing them in negativity of the yeah, fall I, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know man. and and I just want to you know say you know thank you for being such a good sport and Actually, great right. on I like, talk about this stuff because good I chance. honestly don't know, like having you know being someone that competes and has competed and it's It doesn't feel good to lose anything at any point in any situation. So we really re- appreciate that. And just as Sean said, you know big big respect for for coming on man. Uh, it's, it's It's awesome that you're doing this. I think and I think as well for the community, you're doing a lot of service for the for for the fans um, who really want to know what's what's going on and in in the minds of the pros. And uh, with with that said, I like this question from floating buses. Okay. Uh, which is also a pretty cool, cool name. Uh, do you think increasing the agents will increase the variance to the point where the cost to benefit of spending time anti-stratting multiple compositions will actually not really be worth, worth it?
5: Yes, that's a great question. Uh, I, yeah, I do think so, because I think, well, I, I'm not 100% certain. I don't know if anyone knows, uh, but I would like to see Riot have a pick-ban process in the future personally yeah i think if you introduce a pick ban process it completely breaks a lot of the prep that you have so um teams will have multiple comps set up that they can you know you have these pre-designed strats that that are used on that that can be used on different comps and then you just play the draft and then that and then you play your game but it's going to be really hard to anti-strat you know teams that like to be aggressive and play off intuition if there's a pick ban process, because then you know, famously like a team like OG from Dota is a is a team that's just like so intuitive in their play. And it's it it feels like when you watch them, you don't know what the hell they're gonna do because they almost don't know what they're gonna do. That's what it feels like. So I think moving forward, when there's enough agents and I'm hoping they introduce a pick ban, it will be too hard, yeah, to counter strat. I got hey, a question.
2: Thing. Rionya, sorry to cut you off there. Um, does Myth call you daddy?
5: <laughs> he, uh, yes, he does. Okay, can I just say the, the daddy thing? Uh, it's weird, right? Kind of weird. Kind of weird.
3: Man, <laughs> <laughs> nah, feel like, like I'm alone.
5: I don't know, man.
2: I'm with it's, you guys. I'm not yeah. too
5: comfortable with it.
2: I prefer Papa. Um,
5: I like. Dude, <laughs> I, me too. I like Papa. That seems more playful.
2: Beard oil or a uh, beard balm, says the chat. Important questions Ooh. are coming up.
5: Okay, so yeah, that so uh I have a balm right here actually on my desk. Um, but I don't I I've never used beard oil and uh well I, I used it once, but I stopped because I don't like the way it I don't I don't like that oily feel. I don't know. Yeah. It's just it's not breezy. me. Not yeah, kidding. it's greasy. Not that much. one's
2: for you, Habibi. Uh, this next one is for me. Uh, Cloud Nine still a top five teams, I assume. Cloud Nine, blue here. Mm. There's a lot of people asking about Cloud Nine.
5: No, um, they are not a top five team. They, uh, yeah, they, they've kind of just fallen apart, man. Uh, watching them play, they, it does, they don't feel very inspired in the way they're playing. Um, it feels like. They're just hoping for tens to get kills, whereas I, I, when I watch them, it doesn't feel like they're trying to set themselves up as a team to succeed, and that's a big problem. Um, whether or not that's what's actually happening, I don't know. That's just what it looks like from the outside. But they're definitely, for me, not a top five team. Uh, which is, I mean, it's sad because they were they were owning. I mean, they won the qualifier and they were playing really well. So I don't know, or was it the pre qualifier? I don't remember what they won. They won something. Right. And they were playing super well, and they were fun to watch. They, yeah, they fall apart,
3: man. Yeah, that was a shock. That was a shock. Everybody had, it, had them pegged for the top eight, for sure. Uh, and, oh, yeah. You know, they just kind of fell just a little bit too short there this, uh, the, at the wrong time. Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully they can, they can rebuild. That, that actually um, you know, does lead into another question that I have which is the fact that, you know, what, what, is, what is kind of next? Because in terms of having time to rebuild or having time to prepare for something, you know, we, you know what, what, is, what is the next thing that you guys are thinking about? Because I, I I'm not even actually aware that there's a tournament, besides that the, you know, the calendar that got announced. Is there something around the corner otherwise? I don't the know The Quantum
2: Cup is. next weekend, I think. Oh, of course, yeah. But that might be the last that we have in 2020.
3: Yeah, I
5: mean, I think that what's next for us is... Really, just trying to. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna sit down and and talk about the match again. I'm sure, and what we need to fix. Um, because it was only a brief talk that we had, and um, you know, maybe start exploring other options as far as agents. You know, see if there's anything we want to try. Um, you know. That we we are happy with the triple duelist, but that doesn't mean we need to become complacent with it. Um, we can maybe create some new stuff with that, and um, you know I don't think it actually hurts to have multiple comps too for the same map. Um, mm-hmm. You know a team could study one comp and then you hit them with a different one in the match, and they don't know what to do. So I think it it's definitely something you know teams should do. You should have multiple comps for every map. I mean you're a professional, you're getting paid, like put in the time. Yep. you can do it. Um, and that's something we need to do. So, um, yeah, I, I think we're probably gonna, you know, look at comps and see what's best for us.
2: Yes, WayStation asked, "What does Cutler bring as the in-game leader instead of Subrosa and yourself, who have done it in the past?"
5: Yeah, so I think Yasin and I are much more um, uh, aggressive. Kind of, uh, we we play more off the cuff um, than Cutler does. Cutler's much more of a calming presence as a leader he's like you know it's very default oriented he likes to play slower and you know let things work out um whereas yeah me and yasin were like let's just uh, let's just rush them like they're in the mouth man yeah yeah. (laughs) let's just like run at them go and yeah i think that's the main difference i think it it's right now it's a good mix having cutler as the in-game leader and then yasin and i both as kind of like the uh second igls you could say Mm-hmm. we're just you know we'll we'll see an opening and we comment and we you know we go and we commit i think that's really important
2: that's such a nice strength that you have three capable in-game leaders all able to chime in depending on the the map and how things are playing out dan we got so many questions here in the yeah. chat i'll ask you ask the next few
3: um yeah so we have one from divine sl who's asking a question about what do you think about having more Just a five-man roster for this game. So you have some subs, people that can specialize um in 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 a certain agents and so on and so forth. Is there a future in this game that exists that has teams doing that that works?
5: Yeah, so my initial thoughts is yes, you could. Um in particular agents like Sova that are you know have a billion shock dart lineups per map, um, with you know, like double shocks and all this crazy stuff you can do. I think you could have specialists. Um, I, I don't know. It just depends on how many agents come out and how many agents have that kind of um, variability in their utility. But I would say my initial thought is yes. I, I think you could have specialists. You could have uh, six or seven-man rosters.
2: I think you could. I think overall it's going to bring down your level of play. I think having a consistent group of five players is going to be best, and that's just seen through trial and error of other esports. Um, But if I think about the most successful Overwatch League teams, it was probably the guys that didn't need to make a lot of swaps. They could if they wanted to pull off a unique strategy, but only for map three in a best of five, for example. It wasn't constantly rotating map after map after map. I think you need just to build that foundation.
3: Yeah. Uh, honey 52 asks what role of agents would you like to see come out next what role yeah Boy,
5: please no duelists <laughs> Christ. i get enough instant lock duelists in my pug games i don't need more um probably another maybe another initiator type of character um i would like to see a character that maybe has like utility that interacts with enemy utility in some way you know maybe like cancel a smoke or cancel a molly something like cancel a shock dart or uh, a recon dart something like that some kind of character that cancels utility would be kind of cool
2: i like that idea i didn't even think about that haze you're a genius
5: Uh, to be fair that was not my idea okay you
2: reused it really well you steal from others you take the best on the planet and you make it your own i like that but i will admit it was not my
5: (laughs) tsm tailored go follow him on twitter
3: (laughs) we've had him on the show a regular here on immortal mind Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah it it is an interesting concept i was me and sean was uh, talking about that a long time ago and it's because because you know you have this dynamic that exists in Counter strike where you can extinguish a molotov with a smoke so you can make that choice to burn that smoke specifically because you think you get more value of Messing with what they're trying to do. Um, and and it's, it's an interesting dynamic because I feel like that could open the floodgates pretty heavily and it could break a lot of things because there's so many different... So, yeah, so I, I imagine it, right? They probably thought about that kind of thing. But maybe yeah. it would have to be super specific in, in how it actually works. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, it, <laughs> yeah. if you can have like an agent that can just get rid of smokes or, yeah. or cancel or, or I don't know exactly what it would be when when sage was uh you know was it a part of every composition, I was like, oh, it wouldn't it makes sense that you know the Molotov from you know hot hands you know phoenix can can like melt That's the ice or something like that, you know <laughs> and, then and, then, and then we're getting into this like this thing of like elements. let's just like have like mm-hmm. one element count as the other element, and you know all this kind of stuff, I don't know, and maybe uh, yeah you, you can just go down the rabbit hole with that kind of stuff, but we'll we'll see what they have in plan because to my mind, it's actually already quite insane that we have so many agents in the game. And they all kind of work pretty well together. And they're all very different from one another. So I I can't imagine like the kind of just crazy, awesome design team right has for all this stuff. It's it's pretty impressive.
2: They've been working on it behind the scenes for years and years and years. I think you will see the slow rollout has already been thought out of all the possible issues before agents get put into the game i saw a great question asking what region are you most excited to play because we mentioned that japan and korea and europe all have champions but what do they do 12 different regions i believe for first strike or 11 different regions here who are you most pumped to face off against once all this COVID stuff goes away and we can get to maybe a land for a major or definitely the end of the year event
5: yeah for me it's uh the korean team vision strikers um, they have a crazy win streak, as we mentioned earlier. I, I like the way they play, man. They 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 have such a great understanding of how this game works, and they're creative, and they they have sick aim. So yeah, I I want to play against Vision Strikers pretty bad.
3: Yeah, I knew that was going to be your answer. You want to be the one to to take that take that shiny record and just tarnish oh, it. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. This a break.
2: Hi, welcome to North America.
3: This is how we do. it. <laughs> yeah, that would be a pretty awesome. Oh, I just can't wait for that matchup to happen. Um, right. So yes, yeah, so this is actually a great question uh, because when we had Angel on, you know, he he, he ran um, a little narrative about the disparities of of agent choices uh, between this region and and Europe, and also when we had Scream on, he was also talking about that as well. He was Scream was super surprised that phoenix is is being used so much in north america because in europe that you know people can really get into kind of vibe in the same and, and be as effective um as as it is in na and similarly you know we get this question from avenger 129 who says do you see reyna as a super viable agent na seems to run her uh, much more than other regions who prefer more utility-based duelists
5: yeah i think reyna is very viable the you got to think about how the utility is used in certain scenarios and how not only you have to use it, but they have to react to it. So like um, a good example I give is let's say you're on a uh, uh your T side, their CT side um, and you're hitting the A bomb site. Okay. And they're crossfired on each side. Okay. If you're a, if you're a Phoenix and you flash around the corner, they can turn from the flash, right? They could play a setup where one's turned and one isn't. Mm-hmm. So, technically, you could just get killed. And then one guy is not blind and you're stuck in a crossfire, you lose around, right? But if you're Reyna and you flash, they can't turn from it. They have to commit to shooting it or they die. So then you know where they're both at. So, what you're doing when you play Phoenix or Reyna interchangeably, and this is why having a lot of agents is really scary from a strategical standpoint, is that you have to change the way you play against certain agents. And so, Teams can't get comfortable. you know. If, if we're playing Phoenix a lot, they can run that setup. And then if we switch to Reyna, they have to think about that. Like, oh, we can't run that anymore, even though it works against every other team. So I think they're interchangeable. I don't think it particularly matters which one you play. Um, Phoenix does have, in my opinion, more utility. But Reyna is a character that is incredibly powerful in the right hands. I mean, we've seen it with players like Habus, Um, uh, Tins even did it as an opera at one point. I mean, uh, I think Yasin's an incredible Reyna when he gets to play it. It's it's a, it's a character that can just take over the game. And if you give your uh, your teammate space to do it and you layer utility that Reyna doesn't have to help him get control of the map, it, it becomes a very powerful agent,
1: for sure.
3: Yeah, I definitely can agree with that. I think Asuna as well, uh, another name to add to the list. Had a great performance here in First Strike uh, North America with with Reina. Um, can we show his tweet? Yeah, this <laughs> blew me away. NBA. Because this
2: is coming from a 17-year-old. And when I was a 17-year-old, I was an asshole shit talker. I did not think <laughs> about jumping out and taking a rocket for my team. When you are the entry, you can falter relentless aggression. I am given duelists to make sure my boomers do not die to rockets. I will gladly give up my life and watch them clutch. Hey, this guy is... A freak, we've seen him in game. It was very tough for you guys to play against. He had some fantastic numbers throughout first strike. It seems like he's also got a great head on his shoulders. How many young players are you seeing in this new title that you think are of this level or or you would be willing to maybe put onto a pro roster and and trust that he'll be able to think like the rest of the team and I guess bring that maturity and see eventual success in the game,
5: yeah, scouting talent's really difficult um it, it's not always, you know, so clear cut that they're going to, they're going to be cut out for it. Um, there's, it's out there for sure. Asano was one that I think, you know, I briefly saw in Counter-Strike. Um, I played with him a couple times in uh, FPLC or maybe it ranked G. I don't remember, but um, I, I was on a few teams with and against him and he was really talented and he seemed like a, a good kid. He had a, you know, he was nice and, He calmed well. Um, Yeah, he's one of those guys that, unfortunately, in a scene that's so saturated, you don't really get a lot of shots. You don't get, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not really going to get that chance to to prove yourself. So um, I think that's what's great about having a new game come out is that, you know, you have an opportunity to be one of the, you know, the front runners and really show that you got what it takes. Um, And they're out there, trust me. Um, I couldn't, you know, off the top of my head, it's hard to, hard to name people, but, uh, you know, I think maybe one that comes to mind that a lot of people probably didn't expect was, um, Dicey also on the same team. And then, uh, a proto who's on LG has been yeah, really well. Um, you know, he's a player from counter-strike who he was at the semi pro level for years and never really made it to pro level, but in this game, it's, it's fitting him really well. And he's really popping off. So, you know, the players are out there for sure.
3: So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so right. we've, got,
3: we've got 10 more minutes until I, I got to go. So <laughs> that, uh, that'll be, uh, I'll close out. So we've got 10 more minutes for questions. Um, so if you guys make sure to throw those in the chat so we can get some of the good ones in. Um, I had a really good question. Um, and, oh yeah. So we were talking about this briefly. It's a shame that Sean's gone. Cause I know he had some thoughts and opinions on this, but um, so we're going to be seeing as this game grows, I'm sure, a lot of CS players, as you just mentioned, you know, coming across uh, to Valorant as the scene becomes, you know, more and more um, developed. And and as you say, there's a lot of players that are very good in CS that don't necessarily have anywhere to go, and it makes a lot of sense to make the switch. We've seen a lot of CS players having a lot of success, you know, yourself included. Nitro just switched over, probably the highest profile switch that we've seen from from CS, doing super well. Steel as well. So it's it's. Um, it seems like, you know, they're leading the way and more will follow. But are they going to be any good at the game? Because this, this is, as you mentioned, you know, this is a very t- uh, strategical game. And a lot of the people that play CS, a lot of the very good players got there just with their mechanics or well, mostly with their mechanics.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if they're going to succeed, they really have to drop the notion that just because you were good in Counter-Strike means you're going to be good in Valorant. They're not the same game. The way they play is different, and you cannot sit here and complain that you know something happened in this game to you that wouldn't happen in Counter Strike. You know, you have to come up with a fresh mindset and really try and like dedicate yourself to the game. Um, you know, I've played with some players that have switched over or have considered switching over that they just can't handle it. You know, something happens in the game. And they're like, oh, this game's so stupid. Why is anyone play this? And I'm just like, dude, just this isn't Counter Strike. Stop complaining. Right. And so I think that is something they have to drop if they're going to make the switch. And I think if they can drop the ego in that respect, then I think anyone from Pro Counter Strike could do it because you know, they, they've already proven they can play at a high level um, at, in an FPS game. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about headshotting people. You know what I mean? If you can hit headshots, you can play. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they could make the switch.
2: Following on the same vein, we had Roy52098 in the chat who asked, how do you make it to a pro level, like scrimming and stuff? Do you have to be a streamer to go pro? Like, what is that path for anyone who is 17, 15, feels like they have the chance to make it on a pro team but don't know the route?
5: It's, it's different for, for everyone, but the one thing that's in common for every pro player is, is how hard people work, you know? Like we put in a ton of hours. I mean, it's just a lot, it's an overwhelming amount. Um, you know, I think in just Counter-Strike alone, I was approaching both from 1.6 and CSGO combined around 35,000 hours, um, which is like roughly four or so years of my life um just playing a video game so that i mean that's the kind of dedication you need to be you know moving forward you got to think about that but ultimately how you should like maybe practice is try it for me it's like a value system it's league matches first um that's you want to play as in as many high pressure situations as you can okay bar none and then past that is scrims if you can't play matches play scrims okay find a team it doesn't matter if it's friends or not. Find someone to play with consistently. And then beyond that, play Pugs. If, if you can't, League or, mat, or, uh, or Scrim, play Pugs. And then if you can't do any of those or you have something to do in between, which I call filler, you could do like Aim Labs and Counter-Strike. We used to deathmatch in between queues. Uh, do VOD review of teams. Try and find out what the best teams and best players are doing, uh, especially the players that uh, play Agents You Play um that is like a shortcut i mean especially if you're a sova player just watch any top sova you'll learn so much i mean that's a shortcut you don't got to go into a server and spend hours finding lineups right um
2: yeah not just making videos for you guys it's like go go hop on youtube spend the 30 minutes
5: yeah there's so many resources out there for you to to take these shortcuts to get better
3: it's kind of crazy isn't it when you think about it what like back in the old days where it's kind of like hard to get information on stuff. I remember when, when I was playing um, uh, tournaments um, where it was impossible to actually find any footage of like some of the players I was going to play. And you could hide, you know, people could fake Nick and they'd be playing on like a yeah. brand new account and stuff. They'd only have like a couple practice partners and everything is so hidden. Everyone keep it all tied to the chest. Now it's like everything's out there. So it's like, it's kind of insane how much. You know the the old the old uh, Isaac Newton quote. If I seen further, it's by standing on the shoulders of giants. That's what you guys will get to do,
5: dude. It's actually so out there that G two was streaming matches.
3: Yeah, that's
2: <laughs> with their comms,
5: that's how out there with comms. That is so out there.
2: Um, Keem's nineteen ninety one wants to know uh, how have you been so consistent as TSM? They gave. 100 thieves a close match and you guys did it with triple duelist without running any sentinels so it feels like you guys have been dominant through every meta of this game how did you make the triple duelist work and i guess what is the secret to you guys staying in the top three this entire time
5: i mean it's just sticking together and and trusting that what we're doing is going to work you know uh I mean, every team has their problems for sure. You know, we've had our problems, but working through them is what makes a team better. And um, yeah, man, we, we, we try to stay ahead of the meta. I think that's also super important. Um, We don't want to be a team that is a slave to it. We want to create the meta. So we're always going to be trying new stuff. Even when people call us stupid for it, we don't care. We're going to try it Mm -hmm. and we're going to prove that, you know, if we believe it works, we're going to prove that it does. So I think that's what's kind of made us very consistent
3: all right chris we've got time for one more question do you want the honors it's all yours dan Or right, hey do you want to do you want uh, to <laughs>
2: can we do the top <laughs> five can we do that's the top five that's probably the most requested oh. answer is can we get Hayes personal this is not tsm this is not dan or mine this is just yours If you were to come up with the top five teams, I'll let you do North America. Or if you want to avoid that, you now have to answer worldwide.
5: Dude, really? Like, I have to say in order.
2: Top five in order. Counting down from number five.
5: Okay. So the fifth best team in, you wanted North America?
2: Which one do you prefer? Yeah, let's start uh, And hey, That was the one the chat was asking. Dude. Okay. Um,
5: I'm just going to get flamed for anything I say, man. This is a catch-22. Uh,
2: <laughs> Win-win. Think of all the five teams. That are going to be super proud of your answer. Okay. The,
5: the fifth best team in North America is... Let me pull up a team list real quick just to make sure that I'm not, I'm not capping here. All right. I don't, I don't want to cap on y'all.
2: No cap. I think the, the teams in A that were really missing from this were Anbox, Gen G, Cloud Nine, yeah. but then mostly just the first strike squads. I think I want to I want to
5: say that oh, man, the fifth spot is so open. I'd say the fifth spot is T1. I think T1. Oh is wow! Fifth, fifth best team in North America right now. Okay. Um, I think they kind of, you know, before this last or before this tournament, I think everyone had reason to believe they weren't, you know, top five, maybe fringe top 10, but they have shown that their work ethic and their experience uh, can, can bring results and they look like a very well polished team right now. Um, And they're only going to get better. So I'd, I'd have them at five at four. God, this is gonna be rough, dude. At four, we love you, uh, dude. I can't do this. There's no win here. There's no win.
3: I feel like we put you through so much pain in this episode. I already feel bad right now. Yeah,
2: you you can just lump them all in together. I feel
5: bad as well, (laughs) Haze. I'll do it, dude. Okay, four will be. Dude, you're gonna hate me. Uh, me I'm gonna put four as sentinels um that's not because i dislike them but because um i'm not convinced with their consistency right now okay Uh, we need to see them more uh it's it's been a long time in between tournaments so i i want to see i I just want to see more of them that that's pretty much it so i'll have them at four right now uh number three i will have envy uh, I had them pegged as the best coming into the tournament. I thought they were number one, and I still think they're an, an incredible team. But they have problems, and uh, they, it needs to be addressed. So I'd have them at number three. Number two. <laughs> go ahead, boys. Get ready to clip champ this. Uh, I've got a hundred <laughs> thieves at number two, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, they did just beat us in a final, and I do not care. Stay mad. Stay mad. They are number two,
2: and And the number one team in North America is Face Clan.
5: (laughs) 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 Didn't see that. Boys, huh?
0: I got. uh... I
5: like that. Nah, it's us. We're we're the best. Yeah.
3: Uh, We just. I love it. It's honest. It's modest.
2: Hey, if you're looking at consistency (laughs) and you're looking at total placings across the year, I think all the stats point to his answer being accurate there.
5: Dude, it's just like, I get it. You know, here's the thing. People are going to flame me because I, I rate ourselves higher than 100 Thieves and they beat us in a BO3 and a BO5. I get it. But the BO5 was incredibly close. And our results throughout the year has been incredibly consistent. We have placed first a ton. Mm -hmm. We have always played at a high level. They're a team that has had up and downs. We don't know. It's just one tournament. I'm not going to say a team's better than me because they beat me in one tournament. I'm sorry, especially when it's that close. If it was convincing, if they smashed us like 13-5, 13-4, et cetera, on most maps, I'd be like, okay, like they're a better team, but I don't believe it, and I don't think the results show it either. I'm just being honest. Like you, yeah. you would say have an ego for that, but I, I think I'm, yeah, I'm pretty reasonable.
3: <laughs> you I think got I mean, we, the uh, champions
2: mentality,
5: so yeah, I mean that's not a, yeah, a lot of winner's mentality. Oh, they well, they beat us in a close game. There's better.
3: Huh. We not? also had for the the stats stats nerds out there as well. Sean dropped a lot of stats where you guys are ahead in like all of the stats. So it is, it, there's definitely arguments, you know, It's definitely a super close matchup and there's some variance and, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's, that's the rub, man, that's the rub. We don't, we need more tournaments. Uh, we've got a small sample size. So, so I'm with you on that one. And I think that's a great place to close out the show. Absolutely. I'm definitely not gonna put you through any more pain. Uh, no, no, no more clip moments for, for Hayes. No, <laughs> oh. no more Reddit moments uh, for today at least.
2: Uh, We're but- getting Hayes to 100K on social media, guys. If you haven't already, Twitter.com, CS, Go drop the follow. He's uh, one of the favorites of ours here on the show. Hayes, thanks for coming on. This is your second time, man.
5: Man, it's a pleasure. I always have fun doing these, man. Y'all are good guys. We Thank
3: appreciate you. you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, again, I just, I just want to throw the respect we just played a tournament. It's, I don't. I can't imagine anyone who would ever come onto a show the day after a tournament. So, so that's just so amazing. So it's a uh, the pleasure is all ours. And and also, I think you know a huge huge amount of uh, you know props to the Immortal Minds uh, team as well. Kind of scrambling around First Strike, getting all of this uh, done. And and I think you know it's it's really cool to see you know a lot of the love because we have got a lot of uh, engagement as well over the over First Strike. So uh, make sure to drop us a follow, guys. We're gonna keep. You know, expanding the content and making it better um we've got luke as well who is now our technical producer our technical director i should say and uh he's he's helping us to step up our game as well so lots more cool stuff to yeah. come out of all the of of minds down the line so to follow the socials and uh, also huge thanks to all of you who helped us you know break the 1k milestone all of the subs um there's, just, there's so much awesome stuff happening and uh uh, we don't have a specific schedule for the content out out of uh, out of you know this, the rest of this year for for the rest of December. So stay tuned on the socials for that. Also, we've got the Discord as well. We've got a really pop in Discord community. Lots of people who want to play together as well as watch matches together and talk about the nerdy analytical stuff. So if you want to be surrounded by people like that, that's a good place to to go as well to make more friends in Valorant. Uh, which we can all use more of for our matchmaking shenanigans. Uh but with that said, um what are you guys up to? Do you wanna do you wanna kind of uh, let the viewers know like what you're gonna be working on? If you're gonna be streaming, making some content, where can people find you in the calendar yeah, That first phase.
2: What are you working uh,
3: d- on? Dude, I'm not doing nothing, man.
5: <laughs> I just got back to streaming. I mean, I'm not gonna stream that often, but if you want to swing by you can. It's twitch.tv slash hazed. Probably to him. Uh, mainly just a meme lord on Twitter nowadays. That's what I do. Just follow me at, at Haze C S. That's I, I just meme, dude. I'm just trying to to farm kick W's.
2: He's got the anime avatar and everything these days. The boomers still hanging with the zoomers. Um, I love to
5: see it. Doing my best, man. It's hard (laughs) out here.
2: All right. Uh, for me, you guys can catch me. I, I'm doing the Gamer Hour every Tuesday, shooting out of Times Square in New York City, interviewing people like Arian Foster will be my next show. Uh, we're doing Madden on Wednesday, Call of Duty, Warzone. And unfortunately, that's been the reason Dan and I haven't been able to bring you Saturday broadcasts. We've been too busy as freelancers. Shout out uh, to the whole esports community for the support through a, a rough year. 2020 turned out pretty darn good for us gamers guys and appreciate all the opportunities but i love this stuff i love watching the the finals i can't wait to go through and watch the other regions we'll probably be streaming some of that later this week i'm over on twitch.tv
3: awesome well i'm gonna i'm gonna probably be you know laying low the next week or so actually like dial the energy down a little bit and Uh, The only things that I could announce, I can't announce yet. So we'll uh, we'll keep it at that. But uh, (laughs) thank you again, everybody. We will catch you on the next one. Stay put, though. We'll be raiding mummy. So go give him some love. And we'll see you on the next episode of Immortal Minds.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.